Hello, everyone, and welcome to the Filmcast, a podcast about movies. My name is David Chen, and I plan to be the first one of the NPCs on this podcast to become self-aware. <laughs> Very good. Joining me today is Devendra Hardwar. I think I know what Candyman is missing: some sweet, sweet Channing Tatum action. <laughs> Jeffrey Kanata. I'm excited to talk about this week's movie, Free Candy Guy Man. <laughs> and Danish Syed. If you say sloppy mess with good ideas five times in the mirror, you'll get one of the movies we'll be reviewing tonight. (laughs) Wow. Wow. Very good. Well, those are, of course, in reference to the fact that we'll be reviewing two movies on tonight's episode of the Filmcast. Uh, We got a review of Candyman for you. We got a review of Free Guy for you. And then we got some film news we're going to do before that. So that's what's in store for us tonight on the Filmcast. Find more episodes of this show at thefilmcast.com. Email us at slash filmcast at gmail.com. You can also recommend something for us to watch at hashtag slash tag on Twitter. And also, if you want to support this show, patreon.com slash film podcast. This week on The After Dark, which is available exclusively to folks at patreon.com slash film podcast, we got a conversation about Star Wars Visions, which Devendra and Jeff have seen. Uh, and I have not. Um, and we are also going to uh, provide part two of the mystery of the preacher bot that was uh, discussed last week in the After Dark and that was published on the main feed. Uh, the part two will be exclusive to patrons over at patreon.com slash film podcast. So we're, we're you know, going to try to chentice you to watch Visions. Isn't that what we decided? Yes, chenticing. <laughs> Chen Tyson uh, uh, Chen uh-huh. uh, is what is what that's that makes me be. feel uncomfortable saying yes. it out loud. Though. Yes, <laughs> yeah, yes. it was better via text. But Danish, uh, welcome back to the Filmcast. Did you guys know that Danish is not only making art in a rapidly gentrifying Chicago; he's also uh, into video games. I just mm. wanted to. You, you are uh, you are an expert. Oh, in two I ways. see. Yeah, you got both <laughs> yeah. movies in there. You got, you got so both movies. Yeah, exactly, the perfect right. guest. Exactly. exactly. Yeah, we planned this whole thing. <laughs> yeah, you've also been haunted Precisely. by ghosts of the past, right? So yeah. It, it all kind of also, works. he's Every he's damn day. murdered yeah. so many people. Indeed, indeed. Spoilers, Spoilers not, Jeff. Spoilers. Spoilers. <laughs> um, so, a couple of quick film news items I wanted to mention this week before we get to our reviews, uh, and we will be reviewing two movies. We'll try to put the show the uh, timestamps for the reviews with spoilers in the show notes if you want to skip to one movie or the other, uh, but. One of the things that's going on right now is this uh, negotiation, right, that IATSE uh, is conducting right now, uh, which is uh, the union that basically is behind a lot of the entertainment that we watch and take for granted. Uh, Jeff, I I believe you're like a part of this union, right? I am a member of IATSE, yes. Uh, Local 76, I believe. Uh, I should know that off the top of my head. Um, yeah, I, it's the uh, International Alliance of Theatrical Stage Employees, which is a very broad, wide-ranging union. I became a member because I worked in the box office as a ticket sales employee for the large venues of Los Angeles, the Geffen Playhouse, the Dorothy Chandler Pavilion, the Hollywood Bowl. Uh, all of those box offices were IATSE box offices, so I became an employee uh, or excuse me, a member of the union that way. But it also encompasses a lot of below the line um, filmmaking people, you know, uh, folks that that work long hours for very little pay. Uh, it's a labor union. And uh, they're finally saying, hey, we should probably make a little bit more money and we should probably be paid a little bit more fairly than we do. Mm-hmm. Um, and I say kudos. 
You can learn more about this at IATSE.net. Uh, there is a form letter that you can sign up for uh, in which the uh, the IATSE union is demanding, quote, uh, one, the, the, or sorry, they are, they're demanding that um, the uh, Alliance of Motion Picture and Television Producers make a fair deal with IATSE and address the following problems. Uh, One, excessively unsafe and harmful working hours. Two, unlivable wages for the lowest paid crafts. Three, consistent failure to provide reasonable rest during meal breaks between workdays and on weekends. And four, workers on certain new media streaming projects getting paid less even on productions with budget that rival or exceed those of traditionally released blockbusters. Uh, As people who are adjacent to the film industry, I'm sure we all know uh, and have heard stories of people who work extremely long hours and aren't necessarily paid as well as they should be. Um, and so this feels to me like something that uh, a lot of people in our audience may want to support. And if you want to, you should go to IOTC.net and read and learn more about this topic. But we got a, a few emails about this topic over the course of last week. And so I just wanted to mention it because uh, there's a lot of work that goes into making the entertainment that we watch each week. Uh, and I think the people who help to make it should be compensated fairly. So this is a lot of the grunt work. This is a lot of the uh, the people who are the first to arrive and the last to leave that work, you know, 20 hour days, uh, a lot of days in a row. Uh, it, it, yeah, it's 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 crazy. And that last bit about um, new media, uh, the, the that's a big problem that a lot of the unions are having to deal with, because what is considered new media often you know, we just watched the Emmys or Dave watched the Emmys recently. And, uh, <laughs> <Yep>. <laughs> and one of us and, watched the Emmys. Yep. Yeah. There was, uh, you know, pretty much a clean sweep for what some still consider new media, <laughs> you know, these, yeah. these, um, this, companies this that are angled media, uh, yeah, called the streamings, it, I think internet distributed, uh, yeah. stuff, which, you know, doesn't fall under the purview of negotiated contracts in a lot of cases. And so, all of the rules that workers have fought for for decades all of a sudden don't apply because uh, it's this new form of media, which is not really true. It's 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 a stupid loophole that has caused a lot of problems. And to be fair, many of those problems are caused by very dumb, slow moving unions that were w- way too uh, slow to understand what was happening and how they needed to address it. Um, so, you know, the fault doesn't just rely on the producers, but it, it is something that needs to needs to change. So um, I'm certainly in support of IATSE uh, as a member of that union. Let's move on. Another piece of big film news that dropped this week, uh, rather by surprise, was the casting of a new Mario film was yeah. announced. From Shigeru Miyamoto himself. <laughs> Nobody expected this. So they're making a new Mario animated film. That's a big... Uh, piece of news that's uh, the movie's apparently going to be released in holiday of 2022 I believe right and they announced the cast list of this movie and I'm just going to read off some of the people that are in the cast Um, you got uh, Sebastian Maniscalco very funny comedian he's going to be Spike Fred Armisen Cranky Kong Seth Rogen Donkey Kong love that guy Keegan-Michael Key is Toad Jack Black is Bowser what a hilarious dude so good Anya Taylor-Joy, super talented uh, actor. Uh, she's going to play Peach. Then you have the two main characters. Charlie Day is playing Luigi. Perfect. And Chris Pratt is Mario. Now, the internet promptly lost its collective mind when this, <laughs> this happened. Uh, and it was kind of amazing to see. 
for for a few reasons, I think. I mean, I don't I don't know if you guys experienced the the internet's collective sigh of disbelief when this occurred. It's usually yeah. just Twitter, though. Not not like the entire internet, but the, sure, the Twitter sure. corner. Of the I mean, Twitter yes. and uh, Tumblr, you know, uh, and sure, to, to sure. a large degree, TikTok as well. Mm-hmm. Um, but uh, yeah, I think that this is a confluence of a few things. First of all, Chris Pratt is generally regarded as the the lesser of the Chris's, is my sense. It right? is his, his Chris ranking just plummeted over the last few years. You know, poor guy. Yeah, I mean, can can I ask? I think you, he's you, a top tier Chris. I got to be. I mean, well, well, uh, among person, the MCU Chris's, there was I don't a fa- know. there was a famous post right uh, uh-huh. on Twitter that was like one of these Chris's has to go right. Yes. And it was Chris Evans, Chris Hemsworth, Chris Pine, and Chris Pratt. And nobody told Chris Pratt that wasn't like law. You know, it did. It, nobody told him that that he didn't actually have to like walk off into the distance. So he got very sad about. That. Well, I, I think a lot of people felt like Chris Pratt was the one that could go. You know, and, and I don't understand why absolutely. one of the Chris's has to go in the first place. Well, Jeff, it's a mental exercise. You see, it's ah, like uh, see. We're, we're we're playing a game. We're playing a, a thought exercise of like which Chris do we value least? Yes. Can, gotcha. Let me ask you this question: Of those four Chris's, is there a Chris that you value most? Let's just let's do that. Next do, oh, podcast. Oh. wait, Hemsworth, Pine, Pratt. What's the last one? And Evans. 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 <laughs> Captain Oof, rough. It. Yeah. Uh, <sighs> I'm gonna say for a long time for me it was Chris Pine was my favorite. Chris. I was about to say Pine. Sure. Uh, it might be. It might be Pine. I like a Pine, but ooh, I like. <laughs> dude, all of those are are good Chris's. I mean, as far as Chris's all, go, all of them. <laughs> they're pretty good Chris's. Three. Three, I, dude, three out of the four of them, maybe. Anyway, go ahead. <laughs> you, don't, you don't like Chris Pratt at all. I think he gen, generally no, it, it's, it's makes more about what he's what, in better. It, it's about what happened, I think, over time. Like uh, People were like Parks and Rec. Oh, this this chubby guy, he's funny. He's hilarious. He's kind of a doofus. He, he really transformed himself for Guardians of the Galaxy. Wow, I love him. And then um, I think Jurassic World happened. And a lot of other things happen. And then like news about him just being like, I think he is like one of the few conservative folks in Hollywood, basically. Right. So it's a bunch of stuff all piling onto him. I mean, but mainly for me, it's Jurassic World where I'm like, oh, no, <laughs> please don't make him the next Harrison Ford because this is not working. Yeah, I mean, there's, uh, there's several uh, reasons to, to not like Chris. Pratt. Go ahead, Jeff. Go ahead. Uh, yeah, yeah. I- yeah. I think I think we're talking about two separate things. If you're talking about his personal viewpoints and life, it's all I, it's all the, part of it of like the internet's judgment. It's all proud of it. I would yeah. say both both thing, both the fact that he is in Jurassic World, which like and the Jurassic World franchise, which I'm not a huge fan of, um, but also quoting from a Daily Beast article, like uh, he follows several prominent Republicans on Instagram, including Ben Shapiro, Dan Crenshaw, and Madison Cawthorn. Um, and he was recently dogged for an insensitive voting joke where he went on a spiel about how important it was to vote and let your voice be heard, not in the 2020 presidential election, but for his animated movie Onward in the 2020 People's Choice Awards. <laughs> um, so it, it's the whole combo, the whole package. The, the whole, whole package, combo. Jeff, and then, not, then yeah. like the, uh, it, it will never not be funny to me that the entire MCU people were like, no, no, no. We cannot <laughs> let the internet make fun of Chris Pratt. We oh, will yeah. no. step up and defend are Chris. They got a set of different Chris. Not, not, not when Black Widow is trying to get the money yes. that she's owed, though. Uh, just just if the internet hurts Chris Pratt's feelings, that's when you got to step up, right? That's, that's just funny. That's when you need to use the collective might of your celebrity. So I I, I, I understand that we are far beyond uh, the place of separating art from artist in this world mm-hmm. ever again. But uh, I will say that I think, A, not a fan of the Jurassic World movies, but what's the dude supposed to do? Say no to being in Jurassic World? <laughs> He could uh, be and better B, than them. I mean, 
Well, that, that he was, would help. He was that not the, the problem. Mo- he's yeah. exactly. I, I gotta damaged. agree with Thank Jeff you. that he was not the problem in those. Movies, he wasn't the yeah. problem, but he did not like. <laughs> it takes a certain type of actor, like really elevate crap. And yeah, that movie was badly written, badly directed. The first one, I think, the second one. We talked about this in our review. The second one has a lot more going for it because they didn't lean on him being the ultimate macho Indiana Jones guy. You know, it was that character, whoever they, and he basically embraced it. But yeah. But Jeff, go ahead. You were, I think well, you were I, 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 my kids have gotten very much into the Lego movie. So I've watched it numerous times now and uh, he's great in it. He's great. He's great. great. And, and specifically, great this is about voiceover acting. And I think there are a lot of A-list screen celebrities that don't make great A-list voiceover I mean, look, artists. Look no further than what if. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> well said. Yeah. Uh, but uh, I think he is fantastic in the Lego movies as as a voiceover artist. It's true. Uh, it's true. He is and, good in those movies. And I, I think, I, generally speaking, he makes the stuff that he's in better, uh, even the the bad stuff that he, you know, that is bad. <laughs> I think he's usually makes it a little bit better. Uh, I think he's very charming, very uh, uh, charismatic, and and can do comedy and action at the same time. There are a few of those people out there that do it as well. Um, so I, you know, yes. He's problematic uh, off the screen, but uh, I think on the screen, you know, I, I don't I, know. Like, b- beside, like, the, here's the other thing. Like, you're saying he makes everything better. I think Guardians, like, Peter Quill is a perfect character for him, like, for that actor. But <laughs> I'm looking, I'm looking at everything else, guys, and it's like Passengers. I, didn't I, see that. I mean, oh man, he was good. I mean, was, the Tomorrow he, he, War, which we talked about. I don't. I. I, I think ball. there's just, you know, Jeff, I think there's good. just a lot of people who find him like um, metaphorically punchable. You I, know what I mean? I, that's true. And I think, yes. but I push back against that. I, it's just, it's, it seems weird. It, you, you know what it is? He, it, he is a victim. Victim is the wrong word. He, he is, he is uh, <laughs> He's an just example. a straight white man trying to exist <laughs> oh, stop. on the internet. Stop. He's an example of this love of building something up and then tearing it down. Yes. He, no, absolutely. He, he is, absolutely. He is, he is absolutely is, like overexposed. And yes, uh, yes. there was this tipping point where everyone's just went too much Pratt. Too much. And, and that's mm. not his fault. Cause you're, you're that dude. And somebody offers you those movies. You say fucking yes. I, I, I don't, I, and, but he just was too much of him too fast. And then people yep, were just like, yep. Oh, I'm sick of this guy. And that's not his fault. I don't think that's his fault. Yeah. All right. I, I agree completely with that. Yeah, I think he's not a bad Chris. I might put him last, but no, that doesn't mean that nobody's I... saying he's a bad Chris. I, I think yeah. he's among that that quadrant <laughs> of like great Chris's. You know, does he? Does he pull, one of these is not he, like he could the be other. a mediocre okay. Chris, but the sure. other Chris's are so good, basically. Yes, that, yeah. that's all. That's all it is. No one's saying I mean, uh, go away. I We're feel just like saying get, has, get off this list of good Chris's. I think somebody has to define defend Pine a little bit. No, I don't he's think good. he needs any defense. He, he does. He's awesome. He's, he's awesome. Great Talk about a guy who makes everything. everything better. Like really, uh, like guess. he shows up for four minutes in uh, Into the Spider Verse as a voice, and you're like, oh yeah, that's a, that's actually an iconic Spider Man now in my I mind. Mean, have you seen Unstoppable? Come yeah. on, <laughs> come on, amazing. I, I thought he the was. The train won't stop. <laughs> I mean, uh, until Chris Pine, unless Chris Pine has something to say about it, and yeah, yeah. but. Uh, I just thought he was electrifying in um, uh, Star Trek, you know, as as sure, Captain sure. Kirk. It's just like yeah. I, I was so amped about that new cast after seeing that film, uh, and he was such a an amazing part of it. Yeah, I mean, so such honor to right. the character of Captain Kirk. Hell or Wonder high water. Hell or hell high, high water, water is the trump yes. card. Yeah, yes. hell or high water is. The, I'm just looking at his IMDb. I forgot about hell and high water. Yeah, yeah. 
He's good. He's great. They're all good Chris's. They're all good. Uh, well, also, I don't know. Let, let's let's, let's stop l- beating down on Pratt. How about Pratt as Mario, which I think is the <laughs> nobody. Nobody told Shigeru Miyamoto what was happening on Twitter. And I think, uh, you know, all the Nintendo <laughs> folks. So it's just it's funny. It's just funny. Nobody's saying, you know, push get rid of Chris Pratt. It's just like, I don't, he is not a, who I envision as Mario. I, I How about guarantee that? you Miyamoto was like, we got Chris Pratt in our Mario <laughs> <Yeah>. movie? <laughs> we I got he was Star like Lord? High-fiving high everyone. Yeah, Mario just loves High fives all around, right. Yeah. Yeah. And, yeah. and we, should be, we should be clear that like, you know, we're, we're talking about the Chris's semi-seriously, but like ultimately this, this, this news doesn't yeah. matter at all. Like it's just, <laughs> it is completely inconsequential. The movie's going to make a billion dollars. Yeah. Um, my my the, question for you guys: The rest is, of the cast is good. Like, let me let me put this out there. Like, uh, Charlie Day's Luigi. That is just like pure chaos. As like, yeah. what, what, what is he going to do with Luigi there? Wild card. There, there's wild wild card. card. I mean, Jack Black. Yeah. Love Jack Black and everything, especially voice work. Yes. As an Italian American, uh, Charlie Day and Chris <laughs> as, as the most prominent Italian uh, cartoon characters in the world. <laughs> Uh, I'm kidding. I this is this is a hugely squandered opportunity to tell all the important Im- Italian stories out there, basically, right? <laughs> by not casting Italians in the role of Mario and Luigi. I mean, John Turturro yeah. should be Luigi, shouldn't he? <laughs> oh my god, that's amazing! I, actually, he should be. Yeah, he should be Luigi. That would be and a great. Devito Luigi. always should have been Mario. Yeah. Yep. So yeah. the role he was born to play. Yes. Yes. I think all of us were surprised when Sonic the Hedgehog, a movie that felt like it should have come out approximately 15 years before it did, was released in 2020 and then promptly made $150 million at the box office, uh, right before the pandemic as well. Do you guys think that Mario will make more or less money at the box office than oh, Sonic the Hedgehog? It's going to make all the money in the world. It's it's it's, it's, it's yeah. gonna make more. Yeah, yes. it's gonna be more. We all think it will make more. I mean, it has to be ter- a terrible movie in order. If it to is not... even mildly enjoyable, it yeah. will make more. Right. I mean, especially given that I think Detective Pikachu actually ended up being pretty kind of fun for what it was. I wasn't expecting much with that. So may- maybe I'm pu- I'm putting hope out there. I don't know. So here's the thing I'll say is. I believe that if it's fully CG, not CG plus live action, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. it has a higher ceiling of box office. I think that like Detective Pikachu and Sonic both um, did like kind of, I don't know what Sonic did. Pikachu was like 150 domestic or something like that. Which yeah, screwed honestly, up my summer wager that year I hard. <laughs> it was actually honestly a lot lower than I would have thought it was. Because you think about Pokemon being like the biggest property <laughs> mm-hmm. and everything. Mm-hmm. So I really do think the live action thing kind of scared people away. Whereas if it's all animated, then mm-hmm. that's such an easy sell. And mm-hmm. it's done by, by illumination. By people specifically, I think you mean kids. Because sure. uh, my, my daughter is like, what are what are real people doing in this thing we're watching? Right. I want to see cartoons. <laughs> so and that's true of a lot of kids I've mm. encountered. Interesting. All, Interesting. All I have to say say is from the studio that brought you minions, Mario Brothers, it's like, oh right. my God, minions right. and Mario. It's like, I think it's gonna do better. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Goombas will be the new minions. Oh man, you're totally they deserve right about to that. be cute. Yeah, sure. All right, well, we're calling it now. The Mario Brothers movie starring Chris Pratt as Mario is going to do better than Sonic. Uh, about 15 yeah. months from now, w- uh, one party, like some of us may or may not look really smart or dumb. Uh, and we'll check back in. And also, that. Charles Martinet is in it. And that's Oh, cool. yes. The I'm original voice, nice. although he's only getting a cameo, apparently. Uh, so, yeah. Uh, he's the original voice of Mario. He's only going to get a cameo. How will yeah. we know it's a him? <laughs> Good question. Good question. Mm-hmm. 
Hello, friends. Time for me to jump in here and tell you about our sponsor, Quip. I love Quip. We have we have four Quips in my house. Four! Four! Hey, when was the last time you got rewarded for brushing your teeth? Well, I, I do. I am. With Quip's smart electric toothbrush, good habits earn you great perks. Like free products, gift cards, and more. You've definitely heard me talk about Quip a million times. I love it. It has changed the way I approach oral hygiene. It has improved it. But this is something brand new. This rewards you and your mouth. The Quip Smart Brush for both adults and kids connects to the Quip app with Bluetooth. And you, you track when and how well you brush. You get tips and coaching to improve your habits. And you earn points for daily brushing and bonus points for completing challenges like streaks. Then you get to redeem those for rewards like free products, gift cards, discounts from Quip and Quip's partners. And if you already have a Quip, you can upgrade it with a smart motor and keep the features you know and love. The sensitive sonic vibrations, the two-minute timer, which has completely changed my life with that 30-second pulse for a guided clean. You can uh, understand how long you're, you're brushing for. You, I always brush now for two minutes. And I know every 30 seconds, I can change positions in my mouth. I know how, how far I've gotten in my brushing. It's great. They got that slim, lightweight, and sleek with no wires, no bulky charger to weigh you down. You got that multi-use travel cover that doubles as a mirror mount for less clutter. I use mine in my bathroom, stuck to my mirror. I love it. Plus, you can go beyond the brush with Quip. They have everything you need to build a complete routine, including the floss that expands to clean and comes in a refillable dispenser to reduce waste. Or the refillable sugar-free gum and one-click dispenser that delivers a long-lasting mint flavor, freshens breath, and can prevent cavities. In addition to brush heads, Quip also delivers fresh floss, toothpaste, mouthwash, and gum refills every three months from five bucks. Shipping is free, so you can save money and skip the hassle and bustle of in-store shopping. Join over five million mouths who use Quip and save hundreds compared to other Bluetooth brushes when you get a Quip smart brush for just $45. Start getting rewards for brushing your teeth today. Go to getquip.com slash filmcast right now and save $10 on a Quip Smart Electric Toothbrush. That's $10 off a Smart Electric Toothbrush at getquip.com slash filmcast. Spelled G-E-T-Q-U-I-P dot com slash F-I-L-M-C-A-S-T. Quip, the good habits company. All right, folks, let's move on. Before we get to the reviews, I did want to talk briefly about a movie that came out this week. Uh, it's called Dear Evan Hansen. Have you guys heard of this mo- this movie that used to be a musical? I heard about it last week when you talked mm-hmm. about it. <laughs> you were so excited to see it, Dave. You know, I've I have some thoughts on it. I wanted to share, and uh, I'm just going to go into a little bit. To this so much. <laughs> are you serious, Jeff? Or are you being sarcastic? I'm being absolutely serious. Dear Evan Hansen <laughs> is a movie adaptation of a musical. Uh, and I'm going to talk about the plot details of Dear Evan Hansen. So, Jeff, I assume you're okay uh, being d- a little solid for this. locked in to get spoiled on Dear Evan Hansen. <laughs> I'm not going to spoil like the very ending or anything like that, but m- the trailers reveal most of the spoilers, right? So the plot of Dear Evan Hansen, the movie and musical, is there is a kid named Evan Hansen, a high school boy, uh, who is played by Ben Platt, uh, who was 
26 years old at the time that he made the movie. And we'll talk about that a little bit more later. Top tier Ben, though. Uh, yeah, it's true. It's true. <laughs> I agree. I agree. And he uh, is depressed and anxious, and he writes notes to himself uh, that start with Dear Evan Hansen. You know, like his, uh, his therapist says, like, write notes to yourself, like, encourage yourself and uh, try to be positive. And so he writes notes to himself that say, like, Dear Evan Hansen. Um, and in one of these notes, he writes about a uh, classmate of his that he kind of is into. That classmate's brother is named Connor. And Connor discovers one of these, a hard copy of one of these notes that's like Dear Evan Hansen. And then he talks about like Connor's sister. And Connor gets really upset about it. And later, and I should, should point out like content warning, there will be like minor discussion of suicide in the next few minutes. Um, but I do want to like call it out. But after, later that evening, Connor takes his own life. His parents discover Connor with this note that says Dear Evan Hansen and think that Connor and Evan Hansen were friends. And Evan Hansen, being a reasonable person, does not want to exacerbate the agony of these parents. So he's like, yeah, yeah, I guess we, I guess we were friends. You know, like, yeah, we, we were buddies. And then they're like, well, well, tell us about him. And then Evan Hansen starts lying. He starts l- making up all these lies, you know, about all the good times they had. And, and uh, he starts fabricating correspondence between the two of them and uh, gets up in front of the school and gives a big speech about how good friends they were, and then the speech goes viral, and the entire thing spirals out of his control. That's kind of the plot of Jarvan Hansen. And there's a, there's a bunch of big problems with this movie, and I'll just go into two right now, briefly, on this podcast. Right, one of them is that the actions that Dear that Evan Hansen takes are, I think, fairly monstrous. You know what I mean? Like if some guy lied about uh, this person who had committed suicide, right? And like changed your memory of them, you know, because like, yeah, we hung out all the time. They actually were a good person, you know? Uh, I guess I feel like that's like pretty unforgivable. You know what I mean? Like you'd have to have like an extremely good reason to do that, you know? Um, and the only way you can forgive someone doing that in a movie or a musical like Dear Evan Hansen is if you actually believe it's a high school student doing it because it's like, okay, I get it. You're kind of like young and naive and you don't know really the world and the action, the impact of your actions. That excuse immediately goes away. If the guy who's playing Evan Hansen looks like he's 26 years old, you know what I mean? Like Mm -hmm, he mm -hmm. looks like, you know, Steve Buscemi. It it looks like that Hulu show (laughs) pen 15. Basically, exactly. exactly. Of the thirty-year-old girls being teenagers, yeah. But I don't think that show would work as well as if if it was dudes. You know <laughs> what I mean? Like, I don't think it works as well if it's dudes playing middle schoolers and like trying to get with uh, middle yeah. school girls. You know what I'm saying? Like, it just mm-hmm, mm-hmm. It, it would come off as extremely creepy. Um, and so I, I think basically what they tried to do with Ben Platt is they put all this makeup on him to make him look as young as possible. And as a result, his face looks like extremely shiny, you know, like it has no <laughs> crevices at all. Ben Platt is CG, yes. Yeah, it looks like he came out of like Polar Express or something like that. And it, it could have worked if they didn't shoot virtually every single musical number in extreme close-up, which is how they shoot the musical numbers in this movie. Um, and as a result, you're just sitting there kind of studying his face, like wondering what they did to it. And I think it just 
doesn't work. Uh, and it's it's a deadly miscalculation that the movie makes. But beyond that, it's also the plot of the movie is, you know, Evan Hansen does like, in my opinion, extremely reprehensible and upsetting things. And I don't think the music, the movie or musical really ever reckons with that. Like there, there are people that are like, oh, well, you're not supposed to view those things that he does as positive in any way. And it's like, yeah, no, I, I, I think I get that. But a movie like this that has a character doing, in my opinion, one of the worst things you can do to someone else needs to in some way recognize that that's, those things are horrible and the character needs to deal with it in some way or some kind of judgment needs to be rendered yeah. in you know, one I, way I or the other. I don't know if musicals ever, I, I, I haven't seen a ton of musicals, but it almost seems like the mode of the genre is like, we got to focus on what's like happy and inspirational about this, right? So I right, wonder if right, it's, right. yeah, yeah. That's the thing. That's a great point, which is that the, the problem with this movie is that it, it just doesn't work as a movie because the way they did the movie is ultra realistic, right? So if you're watching a musical and people start breaking out into song, like in Chicago or whatever, you, you guys remember Chicago? Like that was good. That was a solid movie musical, right? Sure. And when people start singing in that movie, they instantly are transported to like an alternate universe, right? Like if you're singing and dancing, they're not even in the same physical location anymore, right? And so you're kind of like, oh, in this magical musical land. Uh, in Dear Evan Hansen, when people are singing, literally everyone else in the scene is still in the regular world. Do you know what I mean? So it's just like literally, it's like one person singing in the musical and then everyone else is in regular world. Mm. And so the movie tries to make it like this ultra grounded approach which just does not work for a topic that is this serious. You know, it makes it feel more like a psychological thriller than <laughs> a musical. It, it, it is Dear weird, by the way. And I've mentioned this before, like <laughs> living in New York and hearing the hype around Dear Evan Hansen coming about. I, I spent a very large part of years basically not knowing what this musical is actually about. So it is wild to see it being discussed like this right now. It almost seems like, yeah, certain things just work better on stage too where exactly. you, you can you can kind of uh you know uh, overlook the fact that he's probably a little too old to be playing this role where right cuz if you're watching in something in a musical tough. the guy is yeah. like a speck in the right, distance right. right whereas he is way up close when you're watching the movie uh, as far as far as the reprehensible stuff that he does is it is it like the you know the road to hell is paved with good intentions is it like a series of small things where he's his heart's in the right place but he's just <laughs> making a decision that turns out to be uh, da more damaging. I mean, that's kind of how I know nothing about this movie or musical, but that seems kind of how you explain it. It just doesn't. You just don't buy it at a well, certain point. Okay, or? so uh, this is an interesting story. Do you guys know the comedian Steve Ranazisi? Uh, no. Oh, sure. Yeah, he's uh, he was in the league. He's one of the, he's like the yeah, main yeah, yeah. lead in the mm -hmm. league uh, FX show. And in 2015, there was a story that broke uh, about how uh, in his personal life, he described working at Merrill Lynch's office on the 54th floor of the South oh, right. Tower when yeah, the yeah. first plane struck the North Tower on 9-11. And in, in a 2009 interview, he says, like, I was there and then the first tower got hit and we were like jostled all over the place. That's what he said in the interview. Um, and it broke that he lied about that. Um, that did not actually happen. Uh, but he had told the story like multiple times. Uh, he acknowledged that his account was fiction. 
uh, in 2015, and he had been working in Midtown, but not at Merrill Lynch, which has no record of his employment, had no offices in either tower. I'm reading from a New York Times piece right now. And it's a really weird story to break because it's like he's not like a major figure or anything. So someone must have like turned him in, basically. And the New York Times broke the story. And I remember very vividly watching his interview with Howard Stern after the story had broken. And he had described how in the time after he had moved to LA, uh, like what the feeling was like, right? Where he was trying to get to know people. He was trying to, he was like very new. And somebody had like falsely heard that he was in Midtown during 9-11 and had basically introduced him at a party and was like, oh, hey, this is Steve. Like he, he just survived, like he barely survived like 9-11. And Steve Ranazisi in, in the interview with Howard Stern was saying like, when that happens, you have basically 30 seconds to like correct that, right? <laughs> like after 30 seconds has passed, you, you, can, you cannot correct it without coming off like extremely weird. Yeah. And he missed that window. Like, so he, he didn't correct it. Cause he was like in this group of new comedians and actors. And he's like, Oh, he felt a lot of pressure. And he's like, I didn't, I didn't correct it. And then what is he going to do later? Like three hours later, be like, actually I wasn't in the, you know, no. that was wrong. That's your life now. Now, right. you, now that happens like, to you. Yeah. So then that it became yeah. part of his life. You, and so you can't actually 30 minutes later, just be like, Hey guys, that, that's actually not true. Yada, yada, yada. <laughs> because, uh, 10 years later, your life could be ruined. Because you I didn't know, do that. So maybe consider I know we're it. talking about I know we're talking about our favorite beers now, but yeah, I want to kind of yeah. just like <laughs> leap back to that previous conversation. <laughs> we're leap back. talking about where we were on 9-11. Let's just rewind. Real quick, I just want to clear yeah. up a, a misconception. But you can yeah, so I, I Devendra, I think I think you everyone on this podcast knows me well enough to know that I would just correct it right in the moment. Yeah, right? like, you would, would just, do it immediately. I would do it immediately or yeah, like five yes. minutes later. Like, yes. But I can understand. You would stop the party, Dave. You'd be like, no, no, no. Everybody <laughs> I like, stop talking. I, 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 so I, I relate to the yes. feeling of not correcting someone. But Absolutely. I do think there's yes. a there's a uh, a spectrum here, right? Because I don't think like where I was on 9-11 is minor enough to just let it go. Uh-huh, uh-huh, you know, uh-huh. I think uh-huh. like, you know, that's a pretty knows? big it, one. It, it, I can understand like you're in a new place. You don't want to come off as weird, you know, and yeah. uh, there's a lot of social just, pressure. Just the secret. Let it some fester. people not yeah. as strong, strong willed as you or I, Jeff, you know? So like, okay. Okay. So why do I bring up this example? Cause I think it's fascinating, like social pressures that people feel, which mostly I don't. Um, but the, the social pressures people feel like, like, that causes them to do weird things. And so in this case, Evan Hansen, his parents think that he was friends with their son who committed suicide. And so they're like, tell us about him. And, and he, he initially tries to say, no, no, like, like I didn't write this note, you know, like he is that Evan Hansen is, is a very, very lonely kid. Right. And I feel like that is very socially awkward. That is the thing that people have latched onto in terms of loving the musical and everything. Yeah. He, he at first tries to correct them. You know, he's like, no, no, we weren't friends. And he's like, no, they're like, no, it's okay. You can tell us. And, and then, but the problem, right. Is in the case of Steve Ranazisi, he just like told one lie and like stuck with it. And it's like, you know, it's not something I would do, but I understand why he made it like why things played out for him the way he did in dear Evan Hansen, the guy continues to fabricate, uh, interactions and details. And in one of the most upsetting songs in the movie, 
his sister is like really alienated from him. And he's like, tell me what my brother said about me. And he starts saying the things that Evan Hansen feels about her as though it was her dead brother saying them. You know, like, oh, he thought you were like so cool and, you know, he wishes he could talk to you. And I'm just like, this is so messed up. You know what I mean? Like, it's just, it's upsetting. It's upsetting. And in the music, and so basically I feel like what I'm trying to say is like, Evan Hansen's actions are much more unforgivable than like even the case of the Steve Ranazisi thing I just said, right? Like it it goes way beyond, you know, I took one line and extended it out. It's like yeah. he had multiple off ramps, but he just continued doubling down throughout the entire movie. I want to say and, though, uh, Dave, I think your tolerance for this is much lower than <laughs> most people because, uh, <laughs> You, you hated what exactly, Danish? You your tolerance Buffoonery. for like white lies <laughs> that spiral out of control or whatever, uh-huh. uh, because you also hated you've got mail, which people love, <laughs> and I thought thought that was a hilarious reaction because I yeah. think it's related to this. And Tom um, Hanks is kind of a monster, and you've got mail. Yes, by the way, he like, is. I, I, yeah. correct, absolutely yeah. correct. Yes, yeah. yeah. So my point is that <laughs> I think that there's a lot of people who love that movie, mm-hmm. and are seemingly okay with a little bit of this sort of like plot contrivance, you yeah. know, to, to get it's things going. It's not unusual. It's not an unusual right. thing. I think of like so many John Cusack movies, you know, where he is just like kind of a turd, but he, he is also the guy, the story is, uh, is kind of revolving around too, you know, like, uh, I know a lot of people who love high fidelity. I, I cannot watch that movie again, but, uh, cause he is an absolute turd. Um, the, the thing you know, that's fascinating like that. about these stories, the thing that's yeah. fascinating about these stories, like Dear Evan Hansen and You've Got Mail, is it's about these guys that victimize this other party and then continue victimizing them in increasingly horrifying ways, right? Like, so it's not just well, that's like, the oh, thing that's, yeah, because that's it's the like, thing that's different. That, like, you're saying victimize, which, like, objectively, they are. Yes, like but, in the case of You've Got Mail, he's destroying that woman's bookstore. Even right. though he clearly has the power to not do that, he still does it in You've Got Mail, right? Like, could easily snap his fingers and this thing that she loves the most in the world could survive. He chooses not to do that, right? Um, so, and but then not only that, he needs to gaslight her and lie to her that he's like, you know, a, a good romantic interest as well. And that's kind of the case in Dear Evan Hansen as well. He's like... Uh, uh, you know, uh, he he lies about their son, but then he's like, I got to get with his sister and like lie about the her, her dead brother to her, the sister as well. But this, to make this that's work. called dramatic tension, Dave. You, you put <laughs> you put two things in tension in tension mm-hmm. with one another, mm-hmm. where it's like, oh, I have this thing that I know would hurt you, but I like you a lot, so uh, <laughs> you know, I those things are in tension, and that creates drama, and that's what fiction is about. Mm. I actually have a third movie. Uh, mm-hmm. Have you guys seen World's Greatest Dad, that uh, Robin Williams yes. movie? Yes. Now, now, here's yeah. the thing. The plot of World's Greatest Dad is extremely similar to Dear Evan Very Hansen. Very similar. Right? But the thing is, <laughs> World's Greatest Dad was a dark comedy, guys. Yeah, it was I mean, really you know, dark. <laughs> Mrs. Doubtfire is basically the same thing, too. <laughs> right, right. Yes. L- less dark, than, you know, Mrs. Doubtfire, but like... That is a, you, if, if you just take the facts of Mrs. Doubtfire, <laughs> yeah, on this no, face, it's it is it's extraordinarily it's disturbing. Yeah, yeah. I mean, but, it is horrifying. <laughs> yeah, I, okay, I'll give you the, the Mrs. Doubtfire, but I would say that World's Greatest Dad nails the tone, right? Which is that yeah. that situation would be upsetting. There would be consequences, you know. Like, and dear Evan Hansen, I feel like if I watch this uh, musical on the stage, 
I would have loved it. I would have been like amazing. And by the way, I've listened to the soundtrack like 50 times in the time since I watched this movie. I, what, I really What is it. happening especially, here? Especially that one song about how, <laughs> how horrible he is. Yeah, I mean, I'll, I skip over that one. But yeah, uh, I, I feel like if I watched it on stage, it'd be great because stuff that works on stage sometimes doesn't make the translation to film. And I think this is one of those cases when like a series of decisions that they made from the plot perspective, from the casting perspective, from the way they chose to film the songs, uh, all of it combined together to just not work very well, unfortunately. So uh, it's a shame, uh, but I wanted to, to talk about it briefly because I think a lot of people saw the trailer and they're like, wow, this is this looks pretty horrifying. Right? This looks pretty terrible what this guy's doing. And maybe but the people said, like, maybe the movie's different. I'm here to tell you, listener, it's not. It's not. But you will listen to the soundtrack 50 times. I mean, there are some real bangers on there, guys. <laughs> <laughs> there, there are some songs that slap on the Dear Evan Hansen soundtrack. Uh, you know, I'll, I'll, uh, I'll believe you there. Yeah. Uh, Unfortunately, yeah, it, they <laughs> slap a grieving family, but. Uh, metaphorically, yeah. I mean, I, uh, my wife has told me to please stop listening to the soundtrack. That's how often I listen. <laughs> That's good. So uh, I'm just giving, just explaining that. I love that so. you do this exquisite takedown of this yeah. movie that you adore. Exactly. You actually love this movie. <laughs> indeed. Indeed. So, anyway. Uh, those are some thoughts on Dear Evan Hansen, which is, uh, is out in theaters right now. Hey, it's time to jump in here and tell you about our sponsor, Fast Growing Trees. You know, probably, you know, if you've heard me blather on in this here podcast, you know that I just moved to a new house in the Denver, Colorado area. And one of the things about having a house is I got to do some landscaping. I want to make my house Look nice. I'm very proud of the yard that we now have, but I know nothing about it. Luckily, I found fast-growing trees. This is exactly what I needed. And by the way, now is the perfect time to plant some trees or shrubs. If you're thinking about this, the fall is the best time. So it's time right now to start thinking about this stuff. And Fast Growing Trees lets you skip the big box stores. Head to FastGrowingTrees.com, the world's largest online nursery. No more waiting in lines. No more messy cars. No more digging through a lackluster selection. You just go to FastGrowingTrees.com and you can choose from thousands of varieties of trees and shrubs and plants expertly curated to thrive in your area and delivered to your door in one or two days. And whether you're looking for shade, privacy, fruit trees, or just added color for your yard, every plant is shipped with a well-developed root system ready to explode with new growth come spring. This has been so perfect for me because, as I said, I'm new to the Colorado area. I've only ever lived in California before this. And fast-growing trees lets me pick things that will thrive in my area because I don't know anything about this. It's so simple. It's so easy. There is a better way to buy trees and shrubs and plants for your home and yard. Fastgrowingtrees.com. Fall is planting season. Don't let anybody tell you different. Join over 1 million satisfied gardeners at fastgrowingtrees.com. Plus, the 30-day Alive and Thrive guarantee means your plants will arrive happy, healthy, and ready for planting. 
And now through November 30th, go to fastgrowingtrees.com slash filmcast for 15% off. That's 15% off at fastgrowingtrees.com slash filmcast. Fastgrowingtrees.com slash F-I-L-M-C-A-S-T. All right, folks, let's get to our review of Candyman. This is where it all began. The story of Candyman. Local character, he walk around handing out candy to the neighborhood kids. One day, a couple of kids get razor blades in their candy. Police come around. That's when I saw the true face of fear. Get on your knees. Hands, hands, hands. They beat him, tortured him, killed him right there on the spot. A couple weeks later, more razor blades and more candy. He'd been innocent. So he's real. Candyman ain't a he. Candyman's the whole damn hive. If you're out here looking for Candyman, you ask me, stay away. That was from the trailer for Candyman, uh, the newest film by director Nia DaCosta. Uh, I'm going to read the plot summary from the internet about Candyman. Uh, For decades... The housing projects of Chicago's Cabrini Green were terrorized by a ghost story about a supernatural hook-handed killer. In present day, an artist begins to explore the macabre history of Candyman, not knowing it might unravel his sanity. Uh, so, Divinger Hardware, this is a movie you saw before any of us. Yeah, um, saw and in theaters. I-, I was really excited. You know, executive produced by Jordan Peele. I think he contributed to the the story and the script as well. Yes. Mm-hmm. Um, Nia DaCosta, uh, an exciting director, clearly very talented. What were your thoughts on Candyman overall, and especially as it compares to the 1992 uh, original film that was written and directed by uh, Bernard Rose? Yeah, I mean, I mentioned, honestly, I mentioned most of my thoughts uh, right after I saw it, but I will say I watched it again. I watched it with my wife, who is a huge Candyman fan. And, uh, you know, I feel like it hits even worse the second time around. Like, this is a weird movie where it feels like the pieces are there, um it is well made in many respects like i love i love a lot of the actors um you know put put freaking coleman domingo out there just reading audiobooks because i want to hear that guy's (laughs) voice just lull me to sleep anything he says i'm just like there for it and i you know i think yaya abdul mateen does pretty good work here um it is like the the kills are interesting. There's some really brutal and like creative things and the camera work is cool. And I think the score, like all the components feel like individually they're, they're pretty solid, but this movie just feels like a response to the, uh, to the original. And if you've seen the original Candyman and you have like certain questions about where things go after that, I feel like this movie answers the most obvious questions. Um, it is very blunt and didactic about what it's trying to say. Uh, whereas, you know, I grew up watching the original Candyman uh, long before, like I understood the real like horrors of racism in the world and like what it, what it means for people to live uh, in somewhere like Cabrini greens and, you know, in projects. So a lot of the subtlety of that movie was lost at me early on, but like what I got was even as a kid was that this is just like horrific what is happening to the people here is horrific. And this story of a guy who's basically like an urban legend made real by their collective power. uh, It kind of got under my skin as a kid. Like, I think there's something deeply terrifying about it. And that original movie is also just like very well made, um, very gruesome. I probably saw it way too young has an incredible score by Philip glass. It feels like, 
it feels um, masterful in a way. Like it feels like unlike most horror movies, uh, at least the stuff I was seeing in the early nineties. So I kind of really hold it in a very high regard. Um, this one feels like, yeah, it's a response to it, but it's not really saying much. And you break down this movie, like uh, just rewatching with my wife. Um, I was shocked by how fast this movie moves. And it's like I 90 really, minutes long. Basically. It's I yeah. mean, and the original is very short, too. The original is also uh, it's like a, a 100 minutes, so a little longer. Um, That's like a third of a no time to die. It yeah, is. Indeed, it is. It's, it's a third of that for sure. Um, <laughs> but this movie just moves so fast. Uh, almost every conversation you get with these characters is just like them very much stating either the themes of the movie or like things to, to just like move the plot along. This movie doesn't really have time to breathe. And I didn't, I just didn't feel any fear or tension while watching this one too. Like it almost seems like a, a very prosaic uh, attempt at like bringing back the world of Candyman without like really getting the fear and getting the like, what I love about horror movies, like the shining, you know, um, I'm thinking of like my favorites, the movies that really like just emphasize a sense of dread, a uh, ring and Ringu um horror movies that just make you feel uncomfortable and like creeped out as you're watching them and this movie never did that it has some cool kills it has some really interesting characters but the the like myth of Candyman and everything i think it works really hard to try to sell it um and certainly the idea of like generational violence and this movie does some really great work with um hand puppets or stick figures basically shadow um, puppets I yeah think. Shadow puppets, yeah. like uh, paper cutouts almost yeah paper yeah. cutouts and i believe those were done by kara walker the artist and I, I think those are like among the most creative elements of this movie she's she's done like a bunch of like great great art um you know in brooklyn i've seen some of her stuff so you know there are elements of like really cool things here but i don't think it all really comes together and uh, i want a horror movie especially something that's trying to resurrect Candyman, um very literally i wanted to evoke that sense of dread i just never really got that um i do have a feeling that they just chopped up you know uh hacked up uh quite a few scenes from this movie especially towards the end it feels like we lose almost the entire reel where things start happening or like, Oh, how do we get here? It seems like a lot has happened to this character since we last saw them. Um, so if there is a longer cut or something, eventually I'd really be interested in seeing that. I just, uh, you know, I wanted more for this movie. I don't hate it. Um, I think uh, I remember seeing the Candyman sequels back in the day and those are just outright awful. So this is, it feels at least better than those, but I just, I, I wanted something more. It didn't quite hit that for me. Uh, go watch the original Candyman, folks. If you've never seen it, that is a, uh, it's a very singular film. All right. Devin, you're not a huge fan. Uh, Danish Syed, curious what your overall thoughts were on Candyman. So I saw Candyman, the original, a long time ago, but it had been so long that I couldn't remember if I actually saw it or just saw like bits and pieces of it so i rewatched that as well so you in started fact, lying to everyone about whether you'd seen <laughs> yes, it or not exactly um so I, I ended up watching them back to back and it was actually a very cool way to do it um i don't disagree with anything devinder said actually um except i really liked it <laughs> like to me i agree that it's not very like um tense or th there's no like dread in it uh but i think the cinematography is incredible it looks awesome there's 
great actors in it. And uh, some of the mythology I really, really like some, I like the way they change some of the plot and stuff. There's stuff, there's interesting things going on. So I, I liked it a lot. Um, and, uh, and yeah, I mean, I think it's got like, it's really interesting to see it back to back. Like I said, because the premise of Candyman is urban legends. Mm-hmm. And I really loved how the new one changes the origin or like there's multiple versions of it in the retelling right, right. and every generation how has Candy their own Man Candy works. Man, basically. Yeah. 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 And so like, it's a, it's an amazing way to retcon, but not retcon Candyman. You know, I think it's a, it's, it's a really great, uh, you know, way to do that. And, um, even sort of like toward the end, which I won't get into, like the rules of Candyman are also kind of like explored in different ways. And so, yeah, I, I overall, I liked it quite a bit. Jeff Kanata, your thoughts? Well, Dave, I guess my thoughts on Candyman are best summed up in the form of a limerick. The titular adversary is depicted <laughs> a bit contrary to what I expect, which made me reflect but it ends up not being too scary. All right. Hmm. Uh, I agree with everything that's been said. I agree with everything that's been said. Uh, I agree (laughs) very, very much uh, with Devendra. Uh, There is a scene in this film early on where uh, Anthony, I believe is the name of the character who is the artist. uh, His, he has a a piece that he is asking for some uh, feedback on Mm -hmm. uh, some opinion on and his girlfriend, who is also a, a, an art, uh, uh, she's like a curator or something. So yeah. Curator. Yeah, curator. That's the word yeah. I was like, thank you. Curator. Um, gives him an, an opinion and basically gives my review for the movie. <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> which is very similar to yeah. the Vinja's yeah. review for the movie, which is basically like, yeah, no, it's great, but like, it's all right there on the it's surface. Just, it's a little There's on no, the nose. Like, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, it's like she's like just reviewing the movie. <laughs> it's very strange. <laughs> well, uh, you, because you I combine I feel that like all- with what an actual art critic says in the movie too that the film is trying to reboot, except it also absolutely yeah. describes the yeah, movie. She, she says, the, a character asks her, "What do you think?" And she says, "Well, it's a pretty literal approach. Yeah, a pretty literal <laughs> yes. approach. Yes. Yes. Not, yeah, not much room for viewer interpretation. Yeah, yes." It was just like it's very strange how the, it, the movie just comes out and says it. Uh, yeah, I've been I've been working for for months on this and they just they just tweeted it out um well Jeff, here's the thing jeff if your movie is very didactic and literal then if you have a character in it commenting on something else that's didactic yeah. and literal that makes it okay basically. oh i see sure. um I, I i agree that the movie ha- is dripping with style uh it, it is there are some really cool inventive sequences and when we get to spoilers you know we can talk a little bit more specifically but you know it, it, like Devinder said, any one element of the movie, there's not really much to to criticize. It's each element is is very well well done, and you know it's just not greater than the sum of its parts, unfortunately. And I feel like, you know, as much as I kind of took away from it what it I believe is intending for me to take away from it, which is a powerful statement, and I think an, perhaps an important one, uh, certainly an interesting one. I think it kind of, it's attempting to use this genre film to do a thing. It does the thing, but it doesn't really create, I think, an effective genre film. 
I think mm. it's it, it, for my money, at least it didn't at no point was I scared. And you know me, I'm a scaredy pants. I'm a scaredy pants. <laughs> it is actually. Uh, yeah, we we got to we got to work on getting you to watch horror movies. I know. Yes. It's not your favorite thing. No, I was a little nervous about this, quite honestly. And at no point did I feel uncomfortable or scared or, or hiding my eyes behind my hands, as I sometimes do. Um, it, yeah. And, and it, ultimately, it just didn't. I agree with you also, Devendra, that there's a point at which it feels like we missed mm-hmm. uh, a beat. It, it feels like there's a whole, whole bunch of beats. Yeah. Are there scenes point. in here that get us from this point to that point? Because... Boy, that just made a huge leap. Um, so I don't know if that is the case or if that's just a, a flaw in the, uh, in the script. But ultimately, you know, while it it was a a a movie that I don't I, I don't think is bad, and certainly was an experience that I didn't, um, you know, it 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 wasn't that I wasn't enjoying myself. I wasn't uninterested. It just at the end of the day, I was like, kind of why? Why yeah. did we do it this way? You that know? happened. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, I'll share a few quick thoughts and then let's get to some spoilers. Uh, I think that uh, the movie looks great. Opening credit sequence was incredible. Amazing. Just, just was like flip, flip those cameras best. upside down. Yeah, That's all I, like, I want to yeah, see. This is wild. amazing. Love all the score. The love the credit. Like, love yeah. the look of the film. And I even think the whole setup is great. There's so many interesting ideas mm-hmm. in the movie. I, I think actually too many interesting ideas um like literally like it's just the movie cannot bear the weight of all the ideas it has uh and unfortunately i think the final 30 to 40 minutes is a complete mess like per what you guys have said um uh, feels like they skipped over a bunch of stuff and then towards the end uh i, I i've read several reviews and i think Many people, including myself, have difficulty understanding literally what actually happens. Yes, at the end. yes, absolutely. Right? Yes, and, that's and like true. What, what the movie is trying to say about its themes and about its characters, um, and I think that's a problem um, because uh, you know movies don't need to like spell things out for you exactly, but they shouldn't leave you. They should it, 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 they should leave it open to interpretation, but they shouldn't right. leave you like completely confused. It leaves you asking on. the wrong questions, I think. Exactly, and exactly. Um, it yeah. also like yeah. It, it will just outright uh, say things like gentrification is real bad, guys. That, that's it. That's all. We're, that's the movie. That's what we're doing. And they have their first major conversation in the movie is that. Yeah. So it is. Yeah. I, give me some mystery. Something. Well, uh, it's making. You know, we talked about this. Uh, what with Ariel a couple weeks ago, but mm-hmm, like mm-hmm. it's making the subtext text right. Absolutely. Like the 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 idea is I should be able to feel why gentrification is horrifying and terrible without someone just saying it to me. Right. Like literally These are conversations um, uh, a group of friends would have together. You know, like things, things it's uh, like yeah. that. It feels inorganic uh, in a way too. Or, yeah. I think they might have, they might have them, but I don't think they belong in this movie. You know what I mean? Like <laughs> it's, it's like, it, it just shouldn't, you should, I, I should experience mm-hmm. the themes through the story as opposed to the characters saying, you know, outright what they sure, think. Sure, sure. And yet, and yet, bafflingly, it is both too didactic and not clear enough about what it's trying to say, in my opinion. Yeah. Um, yeah. Anyway, those are some quick thoughts. Let's get to spoilers real quick. Uh, talk a little bit about Candyman starting right now. Now you're looking for the secret. You're going to see this coming. No. But you won't find it because, of course, they're not going to see this coming. You're not really looking. I have been puzzling over how it works. You don't really want to work it out. Who's in the box? I have been dying to tell you. I want to tell you. 
I think there's a lot that this movie yeah. brings up about um, uh, what it's like to be an artist, the pressures of being an artist who's also black, mm-hmm. uh, the idea of black trauma being something that is commoditized, uh, and how uh, gentrification can be uh, kind of something that artists are accused of participating in. Like, there's all these kind of interesting mm-hmm. ideas that this movie brings up. And unfortunately at the end, I wasn't really left with a clear vision of like what Candyman is supposed to represent, right? Like in the original, I think it's much clearer. Um, and in this movie, it, it's kind of not clear to me why things are happening. Like why Yaya uh, Abdul-Mateen II is like starting to decompose and, you know, uh, mm-hmm. what, what what's so- going on. At, like he's, He's yeah. becoming Candyman at the end. I get that, yes, right? Yes. Um, but then, the Candyman in this movie is different than the Candyman in the first film, right? He, it's this, a different this movie, yeah. He, yeah, yeah. He's very much, but not even different character, like different ethos, right? Like he's a superhero in this movie. He's basically like a a tool uh, mm-hmm. that yeah. is used to like avenge black people. Yeah, you movie, evoke right? you evoke the superhero yeah. to do to you know yeah to right. uh, except to, um, except when he kills a young girl for no reason. Right. Well, so I think we're supposed to confused. believe that he only kills bad people. Is mm. the sister bad? Uh, yeah, Th- this movie has random flashbacks for right. no like the establish about black, uh, basically like backstory about some of these characters and uh, Coleman Domingo's character. He's he's the kid from the beginning. He had a sister, apparently, who was killed by Candyman. Right. And, and not, not only that, yeah. but also uh, what's her name's character? Um, Brianna's character. Her dad kills himself. Um, her dad kills himself. That was that's, the that's most the... disturbing fucking scene in the yep. entire movie. It had nothing yep. to do with Candyman. Right. It, yeah. it, 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 that, is, that scene is so dark and so fucked up. And for, I think, kind of no reason. Like, well, I don't it, know. It's a nod to like intergenerational trauma, right? Mm-hmm. The idea yeah. that like the, the trauma is passed down from generation to generation. I believe, uh, I'm sorry, I agree with you though, Jeff, that mm-hmm. it doesn't feel like if you're going to invoke that, you yeah. you really need to follow through with it. And I don't feel like the movie does that. Really, sh- show us yeah. him as a person or something before that too. Like it, it, it just, it's wild because it comes out of nowhere right after uh, Brianna experiences, you know, she comes across those bodies and like, she's tying it to her own past, but also like it, it is supposed to be a bit of like character background stuff. Like, is she attracted to her disturbed artist boyfriend because of her father? Right. And that stuff just feels gross, like yeah. real gross shorthand. Yeah. I agree. I agree. Um, I do think the ending, uh, you're, Jeff, you're talking about him. Candyman's like the superhero you summon. Mm-hmm. Um, I think maybe, you know, there's a chance I'm being too charitable with this. Uh, my take on it was that, uh, because the urban myth is so fluid and ever changing mm-hmm. that Candyman is whatever you want him to be, whatever the, the popular consciousness is. So when he becomes this avenging spirit, that's not what he always was. That is something that they have now started to do. And so he has become that. That's my, mm-hmm. that was my take. I would I would love if the movie had set up more of that with the with the other characters and like the other kills, which I think individually all those kills are pretty cool. I love but all the mirror stuff. The, the, so, the one so the cool. one in the art studio, like him yeah. in the 
yeah, actually on the projected screen, I believe, and the mirrors, the, like the compact on the floor of the bathroom. Yeah, Crazy. so good, so good. And then the the slow pull away from the uh, the apartment building, like it's That's, just all glass. Yeah, like it's beautiful. The, the, yeah, all that stuff. Like I I totally understand and I agree that it's not scary. Mm-hmm. And maybe this is just my take because I very rarely get scared with movies. Like it just doesn't. Unfortunately, it doesn't affect me as much as I would used mm-hmm. to, you know. And so when I watch movies like this, I'm kind of like, I'm happy with cool, like compact mirror shots and like cool mirror shots. You know, like I'm entertained and I'm like kept in the movie with that. Although I do agree that, you know, if it was right, scary, right. it would have made this movie a whole, a whole nother level. Like, like think of yeah. what Ari Aster mm-hmm. does in Hereditary. Yes. Or something. That right? was one, Where yeah, it's just one like of the scariest movies I've ever seen. Pure dread. Like your skin is crawling. And that is kind of how, as a kid watching the original Candyman kind of felt with yeah. me, uh, felt to me like it got under, under my skin. I can never really forget that movie. It's just, it is one of those things. And one thing I want to point out too, is that, um, the the overall twist, by the way, like if you, if you guys don't remember, like the, the twist that Yaya Abdul Mateen's character is the baby from Candyman, that that was supposed to be a big deal. But I also feel like for people who watched uh, the original movie, it's like I think everyone's like, what what happened to that baby? Well, I Did mean, Kate, I, I like yeah, like I said, I watched it back to back, so I'm like, yeah, oh, yeah, yeah. his name's Anthony. Oh, okay, yeah, clearly, it, like yeah, immediately, yeah, it's like okay, that's that's cool. <laughs> it, it's not it's not a huge surprise there because the the whole Vanessa Williams scene was supposed to be like a big reveal, like oh, now we know exactly how this all ties in. That was also um, super weird because she like didn't yep. age at all. Yeah, I know. I was like, that's she's his mom. I know. Yeah. <laughs> she looks exactly the same she did in the original movie. Yeah. Like it yeah. is. It is absolutely wild. That could be a love interest for him. <laughs> yeah. Mm-hmm. But the the idea of the original film, even of like, um, you know, Candy Candy Man just took this baby. He had to take care of this baby. After for a while, did, did Candyman change this baby's diapers? Did Candyman like <laughs> do, do all the actual baby duties? Because uh, basically, that's what's happening here: is this baby is the second coming of Candyman. I thought I thought that was kind of cool. And Candyman movie... give you tummy time. <laughs> exactly, exactly. Uh, that would that would be the original Candyman just reading him bedtime stories. Like that is a voice, sure. Yeah, I'd, I'd be down with that. Um, but yeah, by the point, once he visits Vanessa Williams, once he visits his mother and he sort of like just staggers back to, uh, to, to the old apartments and he walks into a room where I think he has a premonition of the gunshots too. Cause you see two flashing, like basically the same, the same shot from the future when the cops kill him. Uh, I guess that's what's supposed to be happening. But from that point on, it feels like we've lost at least 10 or 15 minutes. Yeah, uh, mm-hmm. describing what happens to this character and his journey towards becoming mutating into the Candyman. Like this movie almost goes into uh, the fly territory in terms oh, of the yeah. body horror here. Definitely, like he is transforming into the thing. Yeah, uh, would have loved to see more of that and more of like his that journey of him getting to the point where he is in the chair in that church. Uh, whereas, yeah, we we kind of just jump there. Coleman Domingo goes goes wild, and that's it. You know, uh, yeah, that's the part I yeah. had a hard time yeah. with is is that that speech in the in the church just seems to come out of nowhere. Yep. Yeah, it's like, oh, I'm evil now, and he, here's the explanation. It's like, whoa. I also found it super confusing that. that Brianna like breaks out of the church, but then she seems to emerge into the like out from the cellar of an apartment yeah. at the yeah. uh, Cabrini Green. I was I was I like, think they're, wait, they're a little where connected. are they? They're they're like right next to each other. Yeah, supposedly. no, it's, it's fair but enough. He, 
the geography yeah. and the logic of like where people are does not uh, does not make sense a lot of the time in this movie. Um, I will say, Coleman Domingo, get that? Is that guy doing much voice work? Like he would do a wild Joker one day. Just like that, that, that laugh, like him being sultry and then going straight into the cackling. Like, man, I, I, I want the best things for him. I love him and everything I see him in. Everyone in this movie is super talented. You yeah. know? Very um, true. And Very I, true. I, I, I want the best for all of them, for sure. But yeah, the, the ending, I just thought, it, it just feels super rushed. And mm-hmm. at the end of the day, I'm like, I'm, I'm left not necessarily feeling, I think, the impact that was desired, which is I, some kind of emotional catharsis from... Um, this guy becoming Candyman, uh, you know, the, the scene with him coming in and uh, murdering those cops is like kind of a, like a cool, like well executed from a, yeah. from a, just like a genre stylistic. PC, but, yeah, right, exactly. But like mm-hmm. as, as kind of the end button on what the themes of this movie are supposed yeah. to be, it felt a little bit confused overall. When the I end look button at the yeah. is Tony yeah. Todd, by the way, like you see Fair Tony enough. Todd come back, who is the bad, the bad, bad guy. You know, like he—he he is the one everybody was afraid of, right? Um, so is he? Is by Yaya Abdul Mateen's character basically also becoming Candyman? Is he empowering the the overall right. myth of like? I think what I think is that's happening? the case, but yeah, yeah. To, to, I guess like fundamentally, Tony Todd's mission or you know proclivities were a little bit different, right? Mm-hmm. Than Yaya Abdul Mateen's are shown in this movie. Also, by the way, if if you recall in the last movie. Uh, Helen, who's played by Virginia Madison, like yeah. becomes the Candyman, kind of right. She becomes movie? like obs- intoxicated with him a little bit, like he almost like possesses her to a certain degree. Yeah, no, no, no. But like at the end of the movie, like I think it's Xander Berkeley, right? That's like mm-hmm. saying into the mirror like her name five times, and then she appears. Right. That's like, right. So right, 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 right. I, I just, yeah. I, you know, I feel like this movie is so connected with her for some, but like it's she, very. She different. becomes her own myth. Like right. that is exactly right. explained in this movie. Yeah. yeah, that's right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, what do you guys think is the upper bound for how long you can take between Candyman's uh, <laughs> and still hit the five mark? I thought that a lot while watching. It's a good question. It's a good question. This is like uh-huh. the you know, don't feed him after midnight. Gremlin single. Like, isn't yeah, it yeah, always yeah. technically is after midnight? midnight? Yeah, isn't it? Yeah, exactly. Yeah. How long can I? If I have other words between Candyman's, does that reset it? Right. Mm-hmm. Uh, good question. It's a good yeah. question. Needs to be continuous uh, string. One, yeah. one that, you know, and I, I think we're going to have to keep asking it, unfortunately, because I don't think the movie does anything to clear it up, Jeff. So. <laughs> um, all right. Well, those are some of the thoughts on Candyman. I thought, again, many uh, elements of it were really well done, but end mm-hmm. of the day, felt a little bit confusing slash confused to me. Actually, uh, I, I have a like question the, yeah. for Danish, actually. Yeah. How does this movie use Chicago? Because I've read from a lot of locals who are like, this this doesn't even actually portray the city in the way that seems authentic or realistic. There's yeah. that one river shot. Yeah, there was that one shot. This is like the yeah. only one that I recognized. Uh, everything the one, else in this the one from like Perfect Strangers, world. I think. <laughs> <laughs> yes. Yeah. yeah. It's amazing. Um, so Standing tall. <laughs> <laughs> um, on that note, actually, I, I, I would encourage everyone to go on YouTube and just type in uh, Cabrini Green documentary. And and there's a lot of content out there. There's a very famous sort of PBS documentary from 1982 that's like super wild. And it's, it's kind of like, it's a little cringy to watch a little bit because it's there's lots of sort of um, othering and like kind of racist shit mm, going on. Yeah, yeah, but, yeah. yeah. Uh, but if you look past that into the actual sort of like facts of it and, and all the footage and interviews and everything, um, it's kind of nuts. Uh, so 
Yeah, and I remember when you know when I was growing up uh, in the suburbs of Chicago, um, I knew about Cabrini Green. It was on the news. You know, it was something mm-hmm. that was kind of uh, ever present. So, um, so yeah, I, I don't think the I don't think the new one really like feels like Chicago as much as the original one did. Um, so yeah, yeah. That, that, that I, I think that the 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 Cabrini Green as an actual place where where uh, that's a source of much controversy from an urban development perspective is. Accurate. My wife uh, has spent a significant portion of her life in Chicago, and uh, I don't know that she thought it was accurate, but like certainly a lot of it was filmed in Chicago, and I mm-hmm, think like mm-hmm. architecturally that's re- represented fairly well in the movie, is my understanding. Mm-hmm. So yeah. Um, anyway, I'll say I'll uh, say well, this about the original movie, by the way. Like I think one reason it's important and it's been remembered so well is that it was a movie that was actually shot in the projects, yeah. you know, and it didn't treat the people who lived there as these like other monsters, right? The, the yeah. monster was living among them. And uh, for my wife and her family, like, uh, you know, she grew up in projects in Brooklyn. I uh, go visit them all the time there. It was a thing that you never got to see, especially in like the 80s and the 90s when... Uh, you never got to you, see in movies, you're saying, right? In movies, like yeah. in movies, like, yeah, just, hey, these are human beings who are living here. Um, this is a very particular type of housing. And it, the fact that they live there does not make them, you know, any less than you, which is honestly, even in the nineties was a thing. Like when I think, I think of like the Clinton administration and stuff, like it, everybody was kind of vilifying, um, yeah. people of color and certainly people who lived in projects. So to have a movie like Candyman have a gorgeous Philip Glass score, you know, and like treat these people like human beings, I think was a very rare thing. And I do kind of miss that here too, because this movie is essentially about um, the, the the gentrifiers who are kind of like living within the ashes of the the you know that those projects. All right, folks, those are our thoughts on Candyman. Let's move on. Hey, I want to jump in here and tell you about our sponsor, Storyworth. I have a great relationship with both my parents, my mom and dad. Uh, I talk to them every week, and that has been the case my entire life. But there are aspects of their life that don't come up in day-to-day conversation that I I don't know about. I wanted to learn more about my mom and my dad in a way that's tangible. That's why I gifted them StoryWorth. StoryWorth is an online service that helps a loved one share stories through thought-provoking questions about their memories and personal thoughts. Every week, StoryWorth emails a different story prompt, questions you've never thought to ask, like, What is one of the strangest things that has ever happened to you? And what's a small decision you made that ended up having a big impact on your life? StoryWorth is a meaningful way to record your loved one's stories in their own words. And there's no shortage of surprises. During the years that I gave StoryWorth to both my mom and my dad as a gift, I was learning something every single week. It was amazing to see how they took time and care to answer the prompts. And after one year, StoryWorth compiles every story, including photos, into a beautiful keepsake book that's shipped for free. You can order multiple copies for your siblings, children, and other relatives. I sent one to my sister. It was incredible. Uh, One from my mom, one for my dad. I gave these as Father's Day and Mother's Day gifts to my parents, but they work for any occasion. It's a beautiful, wonderful way to connect and have something that'll be long-lasting and will mean something to you. You'll you'll know your loved one even better. StoryWorth is this wonderful, meaningful gift that you and your family can treasure forever. Get started right away with no shipping required by going to storyworth.com slash slash filmcast 
and you'll get $10 off your first purchase. That's storyworth.com slash slash filmcast for $10 off. Let's get to weekly plugs. We're going to do weekly plugs. Did the music just come through really slow for you guys? No. Uh, Zancaster no. has been doing that. I, I, it, You hear it for some reason as the host, but everybody else and the recording, it will be fine. Yeah. I see. It's not okay. fine to me. Yeah. I don't All know right. what, what that weird bug is, but I've, ha- I've experienced it a number of times on DLC. I'm like, well, that sucked. And everybody's like, what are you talking about? <laughs> uh, yeah, that was weird. I pressed play and it sounded like... He's like, we're going to do weekly plugs. That's yeah. what I just yeah. heard. But you guys heard yeah. the regular music, so That's right. And the regular music will be recorded the on live the live stream said they output. heard slow music so the live stream here is oh, whatever really? your computer yeah, oh yeah you're the getting, live stream yeah, here is what yeah. i hear anyway yeah. we're gonna keep this all in there anyway so it's fine <laughs> people can experience it um that's scarier plugs. than candy man yeah, <laughs> yeah weekly plugs the part of the show each week where we plug something uh we have uh created or that someone else has created that we recommend um i did a full video review of dear evan hansen on youtube if you want to check out more of my thoughts on that movie <laughs> even more check it out on youtube i'll link to it in the show notes do you mean Giving you have thoughts on yeah. dear evan hansen dave uh, here's the thing. Let me just say one. One. This is not even about. <laughs> you Dear went Evan to see that movie, sp- you know, expressly to to take it down too, which is it's hilarious. You, I don't you know did about this expressly to, to take it down. I was willing, certainly willing to give it a chance, but I you think were that, excited to do this. It's it's, it's funny. Well, yeah. I, here's the thing. Here's the thing. I generally, I know people may not believe this, but I generally <laughs> try. Like every movie is a miracle. I generally try not to be scathing towards movies. Like in general, I try. Because I know how hard movies are to make. Uh, the exception to that <laughs> policy is when I feel like a movie can actually be damaging. Sure. Do you know, yeah. like when I feel like people can, like it, the, the potential for people taking the wrong message from this is so high that I feel I need to like invade, like I need to weigh in against it to some degree. And that's kind of why I've been so vocal about this one you know i i try not to be this vocal in general about a movie i don't like like the best way to do to to treat a movie you don't like is just not talk about it which is generally what i do mm-hmm. um but in this case i feel like i'm just not on board with what this movie's trying to say and so therefore gotta go in on it so yeah yeah anyway for the soundtrack which is fucking amazing oh my god freaking slaps so <laughs> much on vinyl <laughs> buy it on cd and digital have it on I every <laughs> I cannot stand this movie's message unless it's in the form of song, in which I will re- listen to over and over again. Hundred uh, percent. Devinder Hardor, your weekly recommendation. I want or to your recommend uh, weekly plug. Yeah, recommendation. I want everybody to check out the latest episode of the Engadget Podcast. We talked about all the new Microsoft Surface devices. It is uh, it's busy, busy hardware season, and uh, yeah, Microsoft announced a bunch of stuff, and I. Personally, I'm always more interested in the weird shit Microsoft has going on. Like, just how are they going to be different? Whereas, you know, we're, we're going to get a new iPhone every year, folks. Like, don't worry about it. That's that's like clockwork. Um, whereas uh, Microsoft has a laptop that kind of pulls out, the screen kind of pulls out towards you uh, because the Surface Book is dead because it, it was never a good idea to do hardware like that, as I'm sure you remember, Jeff. Um, yep. so yeah, they're, they're not doing the surface book anymore. They have something called the surface laptop studio. I'll be reviewing that soon too, but you can check out our initial thoughts over at the engagement podcast. All right, Jeff Kanata, your weekly plug, you know, with Danish here, it, it really is. We, I've mentioned this a number of times, uh, you know, without him present, <laughs> mm-hmm, mm-hmm. but I feel like mm-hmm. with him here, I owe it. To everyone who was involved uh, <laughs> to say, you know, that 
I am only doing Cameo videos. I'm only on Cameo doing limericks for folks at cameo.com slash Jeff Canada. Only doing that because of the friendship, the, 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 uh, the thoughtfulness, <laughs> the motivation uh, of one person. And, you know, Danish, I'm just, I'm just so grateful that you were, you stepped up and you encouraged me when no one else would. You're very so. welcome. It, it warms my heart every time you bring it up. Uh, I'm I'm very grateful that you got joy out of it, and then it inspired you to to do it as well. Well, I'm glad somebody <laughs> recommended it to you, Jeff. Uh, check out Jeff's cameo, Danish Syed. A weekly recommendation or plug from you? Yeah, so I want to recommend a YouTube channel called Did You Know Gaming. Um, it's something that uh, it's it's a really cool. It's basically like a trivia style uh, thing where they tackle a few topics and talk about trivia, but it's it's pretty in depth and um, really really fascinating. And I'm going to be referencing it uh, in our review for Free Guy. So yeah, Did You Know Gaming YouTube channel. <laughs> cool. Uh, those are weekly plugs. I also want to rec- recommend you follow Danish Syed on Twitter, twittercom slash underscore Danish Syed or at underscore Danish Syed. That's right. Um, check him out there as well. It's a good place to keep in touch with him and, and learn about what he is working on. Uh, and of course, uh, our weekly plug for the podcast. If you want to support us at patreon.com slash film podcast, head over there to sign up for ad-free episodes or bonus after dark episodes. Never donate if it in any way causes you any kind of financial hardship whatsoever. But we are so grateful for the thousands of people that have signed up to donate to us and help Thank us you. to make... Uh, the Filmcast, a sustainable podcast for a long time to come. So thanks to everyone for doing that. Again, patreon.com slash filmpodcast. This week on The After Dark, we're going to be discussing uh, part two of the Preacher tweets, as well as Star Wars Vision. So uh, is it Visions or Vision, by the way? Vision? I think it's plural. Vision, yeah. Star Wars plural. Visions. Multiple episodes. Yeah. All right. Multiple Visions. Mm-hmm. Let's get to our review of Free Guy. Mondays, am I right, Joe? You said it, guy. Yeah. Don't have a good day. Have a great day. Everybody down on the ground! Hey, bud, you ever think that there's got to be more? More than what? The stuff we do day after day. Being shot at? Run over? Taken hostage? Everybody down on the ground! Today's going to be different. Hi. God, this isn't you. You don't do this, man. Maybe I do. That was from the trailer for Free Guy. Here's the plot summary from IMDb. Uh, Quote, a bank teller discovers that he's actually an NPC inside a brutal open world video game, end quote. I want to give a quick note that uh, one of the things that's interesting about this movie, I think, is that uh, the trailers reveal very little about a lot of the driving action in the movie. And I think that's just a really interesting approach. The movie, despite that, has done extremely well. It's made over $100 million domestically uh, in the era of COVID. And uh, I, I think that it's awesome that you have a star-driven vehicle based off of an original concept that can still do well at the box office, uh, presuming, of course, that people saw it in conditions that were safe. So I, I think we can I, the, the debate original here. <laughs> original? But yeah, yeah. yeah. Original is the concept. <laughs> if, if, you're remake, if you're remixing literally everything that exists right now in video game culture, I don't know how original that is, but okay. okay. <laughs> not we can based that. off of existing IP, okay? How about yes, that? Yes, technically not, true. Not directly based off of existing technically IP. Technically so, true. Dennis Syed, you have worked in video games. 
Yeah, for a long over, time now. Over 10 years, yeah. Yeah. Uh, and this have is you ever mo- worked in video games? <laughs> I mean, maybe you're in one right now. <laughs> yeah. We are going to try to be pretty vague about what's happening in the movie uh, before we get to spoilers. But I guess overall, what were your thoughts on Free Guy, not only as a movie, but as a movie that is set inside a video game largely? Uh, overall, I thought it was fine. It was, you know, pretty enjoyable. Um, I just don't think it hangs together very well. In fact, it's funny. I think a lot of the comments you guys had on Candyman can be applied to this as well. Uh, lots of great ideas, too many great ideas, uh, doesn't hang together, but it's kind of in this very lighthearted, you know, fun rapper that makes it kind of go down easy. But at the same time, I think that's kind of my biggest problem with it is it it glosses over so many interesting things mm. because it wants to keep it kind of light and fun and fast. Um, so that's kind of like the, yeah, that's the basic takeaway. I have a ton of things to say in spoilers about the actual content. Um, I will say one thing that kind of occurred to me is just in terms of, uh, you know, just depicting video game culture and, you know, vocabulary and of, of games themselves. A lot of times you wonder if they know what they're talking about. Um, yeah. Mm-hmm. And yeah. Mm-hmm. in this like, movie... Like a lot of times in the movie or a lot of times in general when you're watching these movies? In general when you're watching the movie, yeah. you're like, do they have they even played a video game? You know, like that That basically... Uh, well, yeah, who sorry, are they sorry, speaking This movie to? or these types of movies, Danish? Yeah. So I'm saying in general, these types of movies... Got it. That is the feeling that I get. Got it, yep. With with As opposed to this movie, where I I do think they know what they're doing, but have chosen to not do it. <laughs> yes. <laughs> so you know, there's that thing. There's that thing in movies where they say the thing that is supposed to that to the other characters in the movie is yeah. gobbledygook. Yeah. yeah. You know, is like supposed to be talking over their heads. <laughs> yes. Yeah. And they assume is talking over the heads of the audience. Yes. But there are people in the audience for whom it is not over their heads. <laughs> yeah. In yeah. this particular case, it's probably most of their audience. Yeah. And they just misjudge where over the heads lives. There is so much to say about their audience. Cause I think that's the biggest problem is the movie is constantly going back and forth between mm-hmm. uh, different audiences. I think they want to please everybody. And so this is the, this is my biggest problem with it actually is like, who is this movie for? Because on one end you have like these really kind of, uh, you know, core gamer references and these Twitch streamers make cameos and that sort of thing. Uh, and on the other hand, you have uh, mom's basement jokes. Yeah. Like yeah. that doesn't make yeah. any sense to me. L- um, yeah. So I think they're gamer trying to- eating Twizzlers. Uh, yeah. Living with his mom. Yeah. Yeah. yeah crazy. Don't, e- don't um, eat it. Not, right. not a small part of the movie either. Not a, yeah. not a throwaway joke, like yeah. a major right section of the movie yeah so i you i don't know i don't think you can do both <laughs> so uh, anyway that, that's another tangent we can get down but uh yes overall i you know it was kind of like fine i i didn't hate i didn't hate it i thought it had a lot of good ideas but um there's a lot of a lot of stuff it was kind of like kind of uh it's holding itself back i think maybe in a lot of ways all right uh danny thought it was all right divinder hardware curious what your thoughts were on free guy yeah, you know, I did not go into this movie expecting much, but I do think um, 
any movie that opens with an extended Channing Tatum action sequence will get, you know, a well, decent amount one of... one long continuous shot, no less. One long continuous <laughs> shot. A decent amount of default stars just for that. And yes, I, agreed. I had a lot of fun with this movie. Uh, Hesse Tates, we have not seen him in a while. But also, I think it's like, it's genuinely fun. Uh, I'd say it's very good close to being great and i'm sure we'll like talk about some of these things it's it's probably too long but there's like a nice emotional core here that i really like um not specifically ryan reynolds but more like um you know the relationship between joe carey and jodie comer and jodie comer who uh, i really enjoy in this movie like also her doing right. american yep. girl voice is very strange to me and i don't know if i'll get used to that but she and is it's funny that fun. that's the it, yeah. i love the twist that's on the it where like yeah <laughs> That's, that's her real one. that's her real voice in the movie, right? Yeah. 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 <laughs> so I think she's great. Ryan Reynolds is this is what Ryan Reynolds does. Like he's very good yeah. at being the like vacant, sort of like good looking action hero guy. And also being like just playing kind of an idiot, which is what you kind of need with this character. He's actually good at that. So he he's good at selling who this character is. Um I just had a lot of fun watching it, but it it also feels like like, man, there's just so much missed potential here. You've got Taika Waititi as like as as like a big the the boss man i can't remember speaking on taika mm -hmm. real quick yeah i can't remember the last time i burst <laughs> out laughing at an introduction of a character yep, yep. not even seeing his face he he steps out of a car and walks away from the camera and i immediately started laughing out loud because it it's was a good, it's a good character intro. It's a good intro. It's yeah, a good I intro. Like it. And I yet like they it. don't um I think but they I, rely a lot on his like inherent silliness. Like I don't I don't right. feel like they tap into it enough. The stuff he's saying is not that funny. It's more like his mannerisms and the fact that he's wearing like a robe length hoodie, <laughs> which is kind of fun. Like he he is really into that character. I just wish they had like devoted more time to like doing cool stuff with him as a villain. So it's stuff like that stuff, like the bad, the like loser gamer stuff, which is feels straight out of the South park EverQuest episodes, you know, <laughs> like it, it is exactly that. And like that joke is 10 years old. Gaming is mainstream. Now everybody games. You've got, you've got Pokemon. You've got like main major streamers in this movie. Uh, you, you don't need to do that other dumb thing. And I almost wonder, like, I, I don't know if uh, the folks who've been in this movie have responded to it. I'm sure they, you know, they're not going to complain too much about this movie. They probably paid them well, but I would like to see like people who actually participate in this movie. If they have any response to that, um, that's just, just seems a little like silly and messy, but Hey, it's a, it's a good wash. It's a good watch. And I think, um, Zachary Levi, it's Levi, right? Not Levy. Um, I've liked, uh, sorry, not Zachary. That's the Zach other guy. Penn? Zach Penn. No, I'm thinking of Sean. Sean, Levi. Sean, oh, Levy. Sean Levy. Yeah. Sean Levy, Sean Levy yeah. is the, is the director. Penn? Sean Penn. <laughs> Get all four um, of those guys together. <laughs> all four of those guys. I've liked things he's like he's made a lot of stuff. Like I'm a, a lot steel. of like, disposable stuff, but real steel. Real steel, real steel rules is good and very good. Such an underrated it, movie. Reviewed it. Yeah. Well, great Hugh Jackman movie. Great like big giant robot movie. And I think like Stranger he things. has a good he's done a lot of Stranger Things, right? Like yeah. he is like the driving director behind yeah. it too, I believe. Um so I think I think like he has a good like geeky sensibility to him as well. And I think this movie kind of taps into that. It's just like, yeah, I, I would have liked a little more. Would have liked a little more polish because um like yeah, I don't know if the they already greenlit a sequel, right? Did I they? I didn't, I didn't hear about yeah, it's on IMDb. Yeah, yeah. Okay. yeah yep. that's yep. happening. So like we're gonna get more of this world and I hope they polish it for the next go around because there's I enjoyed watching it. I enjoyed all these people and I hope uh Jane Tatum makes return because I miss seeing him in action movies. 
Guys, I'm going to list... Uh, I, I'm going to put two directors on either side of you, okay? And uh, thanks to Ryan Oliver for this inspiration here, okay? But on one, one director, okay, has made movies like the following. Jurassic Park. Schindler's List. Jaws. <laughs> you know where this is going? Raiders Martin Lost Scorsese. Ark. Martin Scorsese. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so again, one director has made movies like Jaws and Raiders Lost Ark and uh, Catch Me If You Can and, and so on, okay? Um, other director has made movies like The Internship, Night at the Museum, <laughs> Battle of the Smithsonian, uh-huh. uh, and uh, Real Steel, and Date Night. Okay? that's the, So one director has made one set of mov- movies, the other director has made another set of movies. Both of those directors then went on to make movies that take place largely inside video games and deal to some extent with video game culture. You just uh, you just like ruined a you know, boom goes to dynamite for yourself, sir. <laughs> I'm just saying that it is staggering to me which one of those directors made the better film. Uh, <laughs> <Yeah>. And <laughs> this is, I yeah. think it, you know this movie is way better than Ready Player One in my hundred percent. Sure, and, sure. Uh, but it's also idea- better than you know. <laughs> There's a lot of movies that's better, better than, and, and I think it's a low bar. I'm just saying, low bar for Ready Player One. Yeah, but you know what I mean. Like, I, I would never expect Sean Levy would outdo Spielberg at the you know video game movie genre. But in any case, yeah. um, Jeff Kanata, your thoughts on Free Guy? Well, Dave, <laughs> I guess you could say my thoughts on Free Guy are best summed up in the form of a limerick. It's a two limerick night, and that's wonderful, Jeff. It's a double limerick night. Yeah. yeah, I didn't know which movie we were doing first, and I didn't want to disappoint the folks. Appreciate that, Jeff. Cameo.com slash Jeff Kanata. <laughs> All right, here we go. It's got enough fun going on. There was never a time when I yawned. But it doesn't quite soar. You don't get a high score mashing up Lego Movie and Tron. All right. Hmm. This movie is it's it's the, the plot thinker. of Tron. It's Tron. It's Tron as a romantic comedy, by the way. Anyway, um, I agree with a lot of what you guys said. I it, it, there's some fun stuff. There's some fun stuff. There's you know there's one moment where it's like, oh, this movie is made by Disney. I guess. Yep. Uh, that's kind of fun. There's Ryan Reynolds is just very watchable. He's funny uh, and charming, and he 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 can carry a movie like this and there's enough goofy fun stuff for him to do the i think the first act of this movie is really fun as davindra said like the the setup the establishing of the mm-hmm. grand theft auto like video game world that we're inside is really fun cuz it lets the all the rules of action filmmaking be completely broken you know just whatever you want camera can go anywhere we're inside a video game who cares explosions everywhere people and there's a lot of really fun inside gamer jokes uh of seeing you know if you were inside a video game and you watched people just jump up and down over and over and over again in the wall in the corner of a wall that's you know that stuff very fun very fun uh and and the money is on the screen in this movie there's a lot of uh cool kinetic stuff that happens but the longer it goes on and it it is over long and the longer it goes on the sort of it, it just collapses under the weight of its own uh, ambition, I think, because it tries to be more than just a fun, goofy comedy. It tries to actually say something, and I, I, 
I, you know, I bristled at a lot of the the stuff you guys were talking about. You know, you're you're making fun of game streamers, and then you have Pokimane in there. Like that's right. the truth. That's the truth of it. And you have it in your movie, mm-hmm. and yet <laughs> the joke version is still in. Your, it's just like you have the actual people that are all multi millionaires in your whatever. Um, it's a minor thing to, but but like it's pervasive. And I, you know, I know you guys just went off on liking it but i i would never think i would ever say the following sentence which is taika waititi is the worst part of this movie wow <laughs> he is by far the like yeah. uh, almost unwatchable yeah he yeah i found him so grating and like he's he's doing a cartoon character which okay fine this movie is full of cartoon characters but like what what is that Guy, who's that He's guy? In a different, like, yeah, it's, it's from a different movie for sure. It's from a different movie. Yes, he. It's such a weird character caricature, and and it just didn't work for me at all. Like none of none of not a single second he's on screen works for me. Um, and you know, mm-hmm. I like the fact that it's very funny and apropos that this movie is clearly making fun of Blizzard, uh, and was clearly made before Blizzard imploded. Um, but it's kind of skewering blizzard for the stuff that blizzard imploded for in, in some sense which is interesting um also the fundamental we got to get yeah, from make that yeah. criticism but yes I, I i think ultimately very watchable movie you can have some big dumb goofy fun but like the the potential was there for it to actually be a really good movie yeah it it, it sets up this kind of cool premise and you mm-hmm. you could have it be a, a really great comedy it just it, it just I think completely collapses in the third act. I had a really good time with this one, guys. I, I think I might be the most positive of this entire group. It's a definition of a, a good sit. I'm used to being in. It's a very good sit. Yeah, it's a definition that? of a good sit. I think yeah. it was a lot of fun. I actually, uh, I'm not quite. You know, I you guys know I play quite a bit of video games, but I'm, I'm not quite as steeped as you guys are in in the culture. But I thought it was a reasonable depiction. Putting aside the making fun of the streamer people, like. Uh, or the the basement dwellers like I thought it was a reasonable depiction of uh, a video game like you know there are movies we've seen and I'm just going to spoil one of them right now and, and so before I say <laughs> the spoiler <laughs> I will tell you it's from a director that made movies like I mean I guess if I say the list. movie but okay so there's I, I, you I got yourself say, in yeah yeah I, I, I guess I guess I can't say what the movie is I guess I can't say what the movie is but there is a recent movie <laughs> <laughs> that start that stars Academy Award winners. That is a video game movie that we have talked about on this podcast. That that has no sense of what oh, it's I know like what to movie you're talking yeah. about. Yeah, yeah, yeah. it was okay. widely regarded as one of the worst movies of 2019. Um, yep. But yep, yep. anyway, I, I think you know what I'm talking about. I'm not going to say what it is, but I thought, wow, this movie. Like, yes, it, it takes some shortcuts, but overall, it actually gets gaming and gaming mechanics pretty well this world that they're in is a combination of many things for me most proximately felt like a combo of like uh grand theft auto and Fortnite. like those were mm-hmm. those felt like the closest mm-hmm. analogs and i felt like it got most of the things right it takes a lot of liberties but like it got most of the things right and that's kind of refreshing i agree with you it has this weird tone where it feels like it's coming from it's coming from a perspective that's inside that world but also like gawking at that world at the same time right like mm-hmm. that's kind of weird part of it but i love the the intricacy of the world like most scenes in the background there's like a lot of stuff that's happening that they put a lot of work into putting in like as kind of easter eggs back there and And people doing like weird weird stuff that they would do as a character in the game like uh, exactly it really feels like they quote unquote get it you know what i mean like in some in some regards and 
uh, Ryan Reynolds, whatever. Like I t- take him yes. or leave him. I actually think his earlier work, like in the nines and the voices, like that's way more interesting to me than anything post Deadpool. Um, but he's, he's basically playing the same character over and over again. Right, I'm not sure if you right. guys have seen there, there is a movie coming out. It is a spy movie with him and the rock and Gal Gadot. And I swear that movie looks fake. Like that movie doesn't <laughs> look like it exists because it's just a hodgepodge <laughs> of all the movies. It's these Saturday people Night Live made. fake exactly. trailer. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. yeah. But, uh, he's fine. The cast is great. People are having a lot of fun and yeah, the message, the overall message of the movie is fairly simplistic, but a positive and uplifting one. I agree with Danish. A lot of potential introduced mm-hmm, in the movie. Mm-hmm. A lot of like cool ideas brought up that are never paid off. Um, but ultimately, there is this kind of through line to the movie, an emotional core that I think is quite sweet. So I quite enjoyed the movie. I, I think it's really fun. And uh, I would recommend it if you're even casually into video games. I, yeah, it's just a fun time. So those are my thoughts on the movie. Hey, it's time for me to jump in here and tell you about our sponsor, HelloFresh. Gosh, I love HelloFresh. I have been a HelloFresh subscriber for, what, five years now? It's just made my life better. What is it? What is it I hear you asking? Well, you must not listen to this show very much because I talk about it all the time. HelloFresh is... America's number one meal kit. With HelloFresh, you get fresh, pre-measured ingredients and mouth-watering seasonal recipes delivered right to your door. What does that mean? That means you don't have to go to the grocery store to get the ingredients for meals. You don't have to worry about coming up with a great menu. You can, if you're like me, feed your family, feel awesome, cook, learn to love cooking Without all of the pain points associated with it. You don't have to get a bunch of extra ingredients that go bad in the fridge because you couldn't buy exactly what you need. No. No. You get pre-measured exactly what you need. And HelloFresh's 50 menu and market items that you can choose from every week. From vegetarian meals and calorie smart choices to extra special gourmet options. That means... That you've got something for everybody to enjoy with recipes that are designed and tested by professional chefs and nutritional experts to ensure deliciousness and simplicity. I'm here to tell you, it's like having restaurant quality meals in my own house that I cooked and I know what's going in them because I put it there. I love it. It's not a bunch of garbage and crap that I'm feeding my family. I'm cooking the meal. I get the joy of cooking, the satisfaction. Plus... HelloFresh is over 30% cheaper than shopping at grocery stores with pre-portioned ingredients that ensure you won't spend money on excess food. That just goes in the trash. It's flexible. You can customize your order on the app in minutes. I do it all the time. I love it. Come on. Try it. Go to HelloFresh.com FilmCast14 and use code FilmCast14 for up to 14 free meals, including free shipping. That's HelloFresh.com slash FilmCast14 and use the code FilmCast14 for up to 14 free meals, including free shipping. HelloFresh, America's number one meal kit. All right, let's get into spoilers for Free Guy starting right now. Now you're looking for the secret. You're trying to see this coming? No. But you won't find it because, of course, you're not going to see this coming. You're not really looking. I have been puzzling over how it works. You don't really want to work it out. Who's in the box? I have been dying to tell you. I want to tell you my secret now. You want to be 
food. All right, Danish. I yeah. think there's so many interesting things that this movie brings up, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, the idea of like reusing assets from a previous game in a new game, well, stealing yeah. people's IP, yeah. you know, wait, 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 gamer first culture. Yeah. <laughs> wait, let, me, let, me, let me just address that because I fundamentally like don't they establish that he bought yes. their yes. game yeah yes. it's yeah. weird yeah it's weird like it's a that's a weird i, d- I don't understand goal. what the like issue a, is an unforced error of yeah. logic where it's like there's no reason for you to have said that he bought your game if you want the, the central crime to be that he stole your code why i mean i guess because the guy's working there now you got to justify him working there well, but why he's choosing to work there in the lowest position like why is is that a sense of honor that you're you want to basically be a tester rather than I don't understand. Like, don't work there at all if you have yeah, don't a moral work there issue. At all. But it. also, yeah. like, if he owns your code, he can put it in the fucking game if he wants. It's weird. Yep, it's weird. It's yeah, weird. I mean, that's it's the the way it's presented in the movie. It, it's totally like a plot hole. I think you can kind of forgive it by saying like, oh, maybe they bought this they bought the rights to the name or the company or whatever but didn't get the rights to the code you know th- there's probably some way to hash it but again it's like you said it's an unforced error they they came out and said it when they didn't need to yeah yeah it's it's weird um i mean but speaking of like of that, yeah. speaking of interesting things i just want to take one second to comment on the marketing of the movie that's really interesting i think because mm-hmm. n- none of the marketing mentions the main driving plotline of this movie which is these two characters trying to get their code back or trying to reveal the, you know, <laughs> Antoine, I think his name is right. Like mm-hmm. yeah. his treachery. Right. And I, uh, I'm, I'm honestly shocked, Dave, you, you expect that to be. No, no, no. I just, yeah. I, I don't expect it. I just think it's interesting that like, uh, I agree. You have one movie that's like super fun. Ryan Reynolds cracking yeah. wise and like tons of action and explosions. That's all you need. And you have this other plot line that's like, you know, people sitting behind computers and doing like conventional hacking things. Like, I know which ones I would market my movie on. I just think it's funny that like <laughs> they didn't. They just completely chose to like elide that from the marketing altogether. I it's think that happens with a lot of a lot of like mainstream action movies like this too. Like, I mean, it is the B yeah. plot. Yeah, really. You, really, B you think it's the B plot? I, I feel yeah. like the, the, the A plot is is what's up with Ryan, Ryan Reynolds, Reynolds becoming self aware. Basically, yeah. yeah. Interesting. Interesting. All right. Um, but, but worth pointing out, and despite that, yeah. the movie uh, is still done really, really well. So, I, I see. Uh, I see I'm, what really tickles your fancy, though, Dave. Like it's not a, it's not AI becoming self-aware. It is like uh, code rights. <laughs> <laughs> it's people sitting behind you know laptops, like frantically typing into them at yeah. the last intellectual yeah, property. Yeah. That's the. Oh yeah. That's that's gonna put seats. That's what in, really yeah. turns my crank for sure. Butts um, and seats. Yeah. Uh, yes. Uh, so anyway, so Danish, you have some thoughts on like. Uh, the many interesting topics this movie brings up. Uh, what are some yeah, of them? So, well, and let's how they with, paid off? Yeah. Let's talk about the lawsuits over code. I think this is a real thing. This is uh, this happens many times. Uh, most notably, you know, well, Apple versus Epic wasn't about code. It was more about like other app licensing rights and stuff. But um, Facebook versus Zenimax. That's one that happened a few years back where John Carmack left id Software to go work for Oculus, and uh, then. Zenimax sued Facebook because they claimed that he stole proprietary information to make the VR headset, et cetera. So this is like, I just thought there was like, that's never, that's something I've never seen in a movie before. You know, it's like something that is actually a legitimate thing. And then combine that with this other idea of something hidden in the game. Um, now that's not particularly new. I mean, that's kind of like ready player one or whatever, but I like the fact that it's these two things combined together. So you have, the, the the stolen code 
plot, but the stolen code is actually a hidden game, which is cool. It's a cool idea. Um, that's uh, I mentioned the uh, Did You Know Gaming. That that channel is awesome because it talks a lot about games that have cut features or like things that were just removed or not finished. And sometimes it's not completely removed from the game code and you can go in and there's data miners that can find all these hidden Easter eggs and like cut features. And so that YouTube channel does a lot of that with different games. So it's very interesting to see. So I just thought it was a very cool idea to combine those two things into one plot and make it about this, like trying to recover this lost thing. So I thought that was actually really cool. Um, mm-hmm. There's a lot, like, yeah, well, if anything, I mean, there's other things I want to get into, but if you want to talk about that, uh, what did you guys think about that? Did that work for you? I I don't know. I think the way it all is uh, laid out in the movie is is kind of clunky. I, oh, yeah. I mean, I had a hard time getting past this notion that we bought your game and now it's in our game <laughs> and yet somehow that's illegal. I, and that I would go to the lengths of taking a axe to the server's for people not to discover that fact like it, you know I you mean, know a weird random game thing i had a problem with is i've been watching so much digital foundry on youtube <laughs> there's a scene in this movie where they're like they, they deleted the world but they kept the reflections i'm like that's not how that works yeah <laughs> right. <laughs> or is it danish prove me wrong prove me wrong okay danish. so this is this is funny this is, again this is the sort of thing where this movie is like aiming at so many different quadrants and that's one yeah. thing that's kind of interesting so the way something like that works. If you're not ray tracing, meaning calculating reflections live in the, in the moment, the way it works is you have these things called scene uh, capture actors that you place there, uh, around the world. And what they do is they take like 360 photos of the environment, usually at a low resolution, and they store it in this, in this sort of area. So anything that reflects, you actually are not doing a live like reflection calculation. What you're doing is you're looking at this saved image of what those reflections are. So right. those are reflection uh, screen, maps. Screen space reflections, is that what they're called, right? Uh, that's a different technology. Screen space okay. reflections is live, but faked in a way that makes it look like reflections. So those are just baked in reflections, I guess you can call them. Or reflection maps is what you call them. I so see. when you change a level, if you do not rebuild the reflection maps, you can get stale reflection data. Hmm. That So that's a real thing that happens. Now, the plausibility of that and like, <laughs> could you even do that? But whatever that's the thing i was kind of getting back to uh dave when you kind of said the same thing of like i think this movie gets it but very large many many times it ignores it or it changes it it's like if you see a law uh drama like a you know courtroom drama and i know there's like youtube videos of like breaking down courtroom scenes or whatever it's like the writers of that show probably knew how courtrooms worked but for dramatic purposes they make changes in that that's what I feel like this movie does, where it's like, okay, so this kernel of truth of a reflection map not being updated, that can happen. I thought, and when I first saw that, I was like, wow, that, that's actually like a deep cut. Uh, it's kind of interesting. Um, but there's so much other hand waviness that you have to, so it's like this constant back and forth of like, well, that's accurate and that's not, but I see what they're saying, but that's totally insane. Like it's, so it's kind of all over the place. The- the scene that I found grating right at the beginning was the scene where the two employees go into the game to oh, track yeah. down the rogue play. It's mm-hmm. so, so <laughs> insulting to the intelligence of anybody that's ever played a game. You know, it's like, yeah, it, 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 yeah. It's what, what, and why just articulate why, Jeff, for those who might not be familiar. Well, I mean, just the way that they talk to each other was super grating as mm. as like, uh, you know, like going gamer, into the game or talk, basically. Yeah. yeah and yeah. then they're like, 
you know, editing the le the level in real time to get to him, and 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 it's just like none of it makes any damn sense. And the, you know, they get their skins, and then they walk in, and they're like, "Hey, buddy, uh, where'd you get that skin?" It's just like it's such a weird way to I mean, if you've ever played a video game and you've ever dealt with the mods of the video game or or, or the you know the the devs of the video game, no one like goes into the video game and walks over to you to talk to you. Like, that's not necessary. You don't have to chase the character right. down yeah. in order to right. talk to the player. It just, it makes no damn sense. What they yeah. wanted to do is treat it like cops approaching a suspect. Right. And so they're like, okay, well, that's how we'll do it. And like, so, you know, in, in real life, you would just have it on the server. You know, you would do it on your, on your desk at your computer. Right. You would need to go into the game. You would need to go into the game. Now, right? that's not fun. So <laughs> right. uh, we can't do that. Oh, they're they're spoofing us or whatever. You know, they make up some shit. Uh, yeah. Okay, if you go in the game, um, how do you want to go in the game? Like, how, like as a filmmaker, how would you depict that? Let's do it like cops. Okay, they're, they're, they're like the authority. They're coming down. So I get the impetus for it. But yeah, it sure. doesn't really make sense. And one example of that, again, which is like, if anyone's played Doom in like 92, you know what no clip is. You know what you can like put on God mode and you can just like go through walls. And so when they're chasing them, instead of just like floating up through the walls and catching them, they have to do this whole inception thing where things are refolding and, uh, you know, rearranging and stuff because it's visually cool. That's another example where it's like, okay, well, I know that's not real but obviously they're doing it because of the visual factor you know so right and it, but but like it's so that that kind of spectrum of like what's okay and what's fudged and what's like totally off base is all over the place you know yeah so yeah. What, what you're saying is like there's some things that are like oh that's actually pretty close to how they do it and there's some things that are really really far off and it, it, it's kind of jarring the the frequency of all these things yes yeah, yeah. i mean i mean i don't think there's anything and the development side that is close to what how it's done, but you know, it, it's sometimes it starts from an accurate place and then goes, you know, right. And so let me just say, as you obviously heard just now, like Danish is is very good at schooling me because I clearly know absolutely nothing about this whole topic. But I'll just say, as as a fairly outside observer, uh, I, I was surprised at how not bothered I was by a lot of this. You know what I mean? Like, uh, I'm also here's surprised how not bothered you are. <laughs> well, here's the thing. Like, I also I, I understand what you guys just said. Like, I know that like. That's not, they wouldn't go in world to do it like that. That doesn't make any sense, right? So, but uh, I'm like, well, in my mind, I'm thinking uh, exactly the thought process that Danish just went through, which is, well, well they have to represent it somehow. They're not just going to well, show these guys typing at the computer. And so it's like, okay, fine, whatever. You're going to show them going into yeah. the world. It's a little bit more fun than if they were just typing at the computer. Sure. And, I, yeah. Okay. Yeah. I'm going to make, I'm going to make a, 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 a an analogy here that you're going to hate, Dave. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. But here it comes. To me, to, this to me is no this is different the Evan than Evan Hansen of. Yes, it's no different. It's no different. It's like video game they, they had to cast a 26 year old guy. They, like that was the guy that they cast. They did the best they could. They wanted to shoot it in close up. You just have to suspend your disbelief that he's a, 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 a teenager. You know, like you couldn't get over that. I can't get over the like. Those are the choices <laughs> they made in making the movie in order to make it palatable in a, yeah, to yeah. a certain audience right I, I have a hard time getting over that fact like you didn't have to make those choices there's ways to make that mm -hmm. exciting and interesting that doesn't come off to me as just stupid on the face of it and i feel like that's i, I think you felt sort of insulted that you're to believe that this person is 16 or whatever and i think that's 
the kind similar feeling that I have here is like I'm staring at something that is patently ridiculous <laughs> and you're asking uh, me to just swallow it for mm-hmm. no for no reason like it's a not, there's there are ways to make that that plot point fun and not act actively insult my intelligence i think mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. yeah I, I, fair, I, fair I enough mean, i yeah, think over ahead. over and over again they do underestimate the audience's intelligence i think that if you imagine like a Think of some other fantasy world, like the Matrix or something like that. You know, there are there's lots of exposition, there's lots of rules, there's like ways of doing things. Like you can make that stuff interesting. Like if if someone were to like know like do something in a creative way that actually is how things work and are extrapolated. Like so 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 Matrix again, you have uh, stand-ins for different programs. You know, you have the the keymaster or what I can't remember his name is, uh, who's like. This I, lo- I love this. He, you know, he says to Neo, "The only way to know someone is to fight them." And then they have this fight scene. Sarah, Sarah, Sarah. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. Uh, the only way to know someone is to fight them. They fight, and it's, he just stops. It's like, okay, you're in. <laughs> he, he's the login screen. Mm-hmm. You know. Yeah. So yep. that's that's what you can do. But they didn't do that. They did something that doesn't really have a tether to reality. Yeah, you're you know? saying you're saying if they had like represented. Or if they had explained that these things that are happening in the game are somehow like representative of yeah. real world actions, that that yeah, might help exactly. ground the thing a little bit. Exactly. Yeah. Well, just yeah. like think through, think through what it would be like if you're sitting at a video game screen trying to interact with someone that you think is a person but is actually just part of the game. Mm-hmm. Like th- there's a way to make that fucking fascinating. Like and and kind of authentic. I mean, you can abstract it in a sense because you've got actors pretending to be in a video game, but like think through what that process might be like and how it would be, how you can effectively translate that to an audience. It just feels lazy to me to to turn it into Ready Player One. You know, it's... it's Yeah, okay. Go ahead, Jeff. Yeah. Sorry. Go ahead. Uh, did we lose Devendra? I feel like he hasn't said anything in no. so long. I'm here. He's, I'm just here. Uh, here. You guys are doing your thing. Yeah. I don't have anything to add here. I, I think that, uh, okay, Jeff, f- fair points. Uh, he, he, I have a couple thoughts. Thought number one is I feel like the idea of the video game world was just too intoxicating to the filmmakers, Ryan Reynolds included, right? Like, it's just like they have this fun world where people can have these fun colors and and outfits and interesting effects and stuff like that. And it's like, why not do everything in that world if possible? Right. And so they just, they, they wanted to use that world to the maximal extent. I'm not saying therefore your experience should have been different. I'm just trying to like yeah, yeah. reason through well, what I, their logic might've been. Right? I think, you know, I think to a certain extent they succeeded in that, like the first 10 minutes of, of being introduced to that world and what it must be like to be an NPC that is not the center point, you know, that the people with glass, the people, the sunglass people are the heroes and right. the world centers around them and no, there are no rules for them. And all of that stuff, like I was in, I bought it. I like, this is such a cool way to think about the GTA like experience. I mean, I just, this is GTA so like, online. It wasn't a complete, it wasn't in, a complete a failure. I don't yeah. know if and, you guys have played GTA uh, online, but it is very much this, yes, just like madness right. of a city. And, right. yeah. and, and on that note, there were like other things that I was kind of like impressed that they actually kind of got right. So let me list them and then you guys can tear me down if you guys don't agree. <laughs> <laughs> um, 
but for instance, like the the concept of like having a garage with all your stuff in it, right? Mm-hmm. Like, yeah, I was just like, oh, that's an actual game mechanic that they put in the in the movie, and um, that's kind of cool. The idea of like leveling, like that's a real thing that happens. I know that's a simple one, but like, uh, you know? uh, sorry to interrupt. The the, yeah. uh, the the garage thing though too. I also enjoyed that sequence where it's like throwing all the bad guys at him, and there's like a guy with boxing gloves, <laughs> and like it's just like every wacky they even said uh they put spawn points in there they're just coming yeah. at you yeah the, the line that was, was they booby trapped the spawn points <laughs> I don't know, it's funny yeah, yeah. um so I, I i don't know i i guess i felt like they got in for me you know and i'm not i don't have a video game podcast like you jeff um but they uh, they got enough right that I was like, oh, yeah. okay, like they made an effort, and the stuff they didn't make an effort on uh, is stuff that there was some like obvious decisions. So, for instance, like the idea of like Taika Waititi taking an axe to servers and then the game world vanishing like that, like I don't, I don't think that's actually how it works in real life. Okay, um, but <laughs> I mean they do have axes in all those server rooms, so I know. <laughs> I mean, we all you know, like Ryan Reynolds, well, like them, the, the guy creating like a ramp for Ryan Reynolds at the last <laughs> minute. It's like. Really? Is that how that would work like that? Like yeah, you, yeah, you're, sure. you're like trying to outrun the game world disappearing. Like it's like yeah. trying to outrun the weather in the day after tomorrow. It doesn't quite work that way. <laughs> no, you know? it's more. Yeah, it's like it's either broken or it's not broken. There's right. no transition <laughs> moment between being broken. <laughs> yeah. And, you know, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah exactly. Uh, but so. I did like I did like the uh, the dude character who has all placeholder stuff. Yeah, that he's like, really not funny. done being yeah. made. And yeah, that was very funny. Very funny. Very funny. Dan- and very accurate, too. Yeah. What did you think of the like? What did you think of those things I mentioned about like stuff that they kind of got right? Did you do you agree with that or? I agree with that. I, yeah, I, there are, or, there are a number of a number of things I got right, and I mentioned that too. When I, you yeah. know, like people jumping up and down and and teabagging and all that stuff was really I thought <laughs> clever and funny. Yeah, and uh, and I liked like I like the mechanic of the sunglasses giving you the UI. Yeah, and like that's that was the, cool. That's the thing that changes it is that you see the UI. You know, I thought that was all very well done. Mm-hmm. Yes. Yeah. Danish, any any thoughts on on what else they got right or wrong? Uh, yeah, no, I agree. I agree with that stuff. It's, it's pretty good. The, the placeholder stuff is hilarious. There's, there's so much, you know, like 90% of development is all placeholder stuff. So when that, when I first saw that, I was like, oh my God, that's just so funny. I haven't seen that before, you know? So, and like, it's also, you know, placeholder in terms of VO lines, logic, you know, like AI logic, like, um, yeah. So that, that was really good. Um, yeah. yeah. I was going to say Dave, about the building. It, go ahead. Go ahead. Yeah. Oh, I was going to say about building the ramp thing. I thought that was hilarious because like what that would actually take would just be, it would take so long to do like <laughs> dragging like things. I'm just picturing like in unreal editor, you know, like dragging an asset in just and making drag sure your mouse, all the logic's hooked like, up. And, just and drag you gotta, it. Maybe the, maybe the Fortnite, the Fortnite editor there. You, have you ever created right. a ramp in Fortnite? It takes like three seconds, Danish. That's true, actually. I mean, they never showed any <laughs> NPCs creating things, but I guess that's yeah. plausible. Yeah, mm. yeah. That's it, great. Uh, I'm uh, wondering, uh, you say? Dave, uh, this movie takes place basically in a square block of the Boston area. Like, this, this is, like, around uh, where yes. where you grew up. Did it feel... Yes, did, did you notice that? Did it feel, like, legit? They did a lot with one block, yeah, basically. No, I, yeah, no, I, I thought they made Boston look, like, really cool and, kind, mm-hmm. kind like, it's, like, plausibly otherworldly. Obviously, the architecture is very old, and so when you layer in kind of modern gaming UI on top of it, it has this really unique feel. So I appreciated that. Um, something that was weird is the video game company is apparently located in Seattle. Yeah. Uh, because outside the window, you can see the Space Needle. Uh, it's it's the the place where the video game company is located is apparently my house, 
in, in a view that does not technically exist. Um, so I thought that was kind of interesting. Like again, again, it, you may be living in a video game right now, Dave. You don't know. It, it's true. But I was like, it was fascinating to watch to see that because I know the skyline very well. And so to see that view, and I'm like, that angle is literally impossible. <laughs> there, there is literally nothing there where they're showing the angle to uh, Seattle from. But yeah, I, I dug the use of, of Boston in the movie. I thought it was really cool. Um, and made me miss Boston a little bit, especially all those scenes of the harbor that look kind of nice. You know? They look, look really nice. So, but uh, also, this is where you discover most of those uh, window shots are probably uh, generated as well. So probably yeah, not really I, where so, so much of, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, it was interesting. There's no beach. There's no Miami Beach like portion of Boston either. So right. Um, But Jeff, go ahead. Uh, I I was just gonna say, as far as the ending goes, it was interesting to me that uh, uh, it it kind of flips on its head the 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 trope of the '80s movie of you know uh, she was right there the whole time. You know the the, Mm -hmm. the best. And this, you know, it kind of gender swaps that, and I thought it was kind of clever. I I thought that was great. Like the fact the fact that guy is the love letter to her like that it's such a great idea mm-hmm. it's weird that they didn't really set it up that much right like, i agree it, it's like, it wouldn't have taken much to do that you know and and because uh, it is such a good payoff but i kind of wish that was built up to it you know mm-hmm. the, the video clip that he he uh, she plays at the end isn't that like the same clip that she played earlier yeah i didn't really understand that like i thought mm-hmm. that was gonna she... I, I think the idea is it's the same clip but she didn't watch then, the whole thing. The but she didn't. She didn't watch the whole thing, or she wasn't paying attention. Right, or right, right. So right. I, I think it was cool that they kind of used a thing that you'd already seen. Yeah. To make her realize the thing. Uh, she was, was too busy coding. They, they, did set up, they did set up some things where it's like the the specific coffee order and the the little bits, the little bits yeah. of personality, the Mariah Carey song, "He Loves So Much." Like, I think those things layered in there is actually more than I than I would expect from a movie like this to actually yeah. set up that relationship. The thing is, they they, they mm-hmm. wanted it. They wanted to be a twist, kind of like they wanted you to feel what uh, Jodie Comer's character felt of like, oh, I didn't see it, and that's they kind of formulated the arc like a twist because right, right. if you knew that he was, you know, really interested in her f- definitively from the beginning, that would have changed kind of like the whole thing, you know. So, but then because you didn't do that, the payoff wasn't as high as it could have been, you know. So it's kind of like Catch Twenty Two. All right. Uh, uh, any other thoughts on Free Guy? I do have uh, a couple, couple yeah. more thoughts. Hit us, Danish. Um, I really like this way into sentient AI. Uh, it's, it's Love. Kind of, is it? Uh, I mean, I think that's what the movie is saying is like the fifth element is love. Is love. I didn't get that, but uh, I guess so. Uh, basically, like the, the, the plot is that they came up with this AI, you know, algorithm or whatever that kind of grows and builds its functions and stuff. And, and it was going to be like this sandbox aquarium or whatever. And then he took it. And that's why Free City is so popular because the AI is so good. Uh, I thought that was kind of cool. And then at some point, just by iterations of them growing and learning, there's an inflection point where it tips over. That's the way I took it. Not that my, my understanding is that he built a character who was pining away yeah. for a very specific woman. And when that character saw that specific woman, it unlocked, it, it it achieved the thing it had always wanted, and that sort of unlocked its sentience. Hmm. Love, love made it happen. That's, I, well, that's I what agree I got with Jeff on this, which is not something I say very often, so <laughs> notable. <laughs> also, it, uh, you guys, you mentioned uh, Tron. Uh, it actually was more like Pleasantville because he's mm. the one who's <laughs> awoken 
and he's trying to get others to awake awaken too you know that's why i don't think it was love because like he just has to like give them that love was the final push over the edge uh where and then now he's trying to do that for all the others like they don't all need to find true love to become sentient you know Hmm. um what else was to say uh a couple um there's a couple plot holes besides the they bought it and how is it stolen um the first moment where guy kisses millie and even though that's not in the game it's not programmed to do it but he's doing it because it's like sentient how does he how does she kiss him at the end in the game yeah yeah <laughs> There's no button for that. There's they no specifically button. say there's, there's no, no button, button for that. For that. Yeah. 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 Um, the other thing was I really liked, we didn't talk about it at all, but uh, Lil Rel Howery, um, Buddy, great. I mean, he does, he's a very one-dimensional character, but I just love yeah, seeing him. He's, he's just a really great presence. And I really like that scene where, uh, you know, after Ryan Reynolds finds out the world's not real and there's like that conversation where he's like, well, this moment's real, you know? And I thought that was really nice, really well delivered mm-hmm. too. Um, but at the very end, Buddy says, I've been scared my whole life until now or whatever. And I was like, were you really? <laughs> like that, that, that came out of nowhere. So I don't know. Yeah. What that is. I mean, he, he um, existed other- to be robbed every day, you know? So that's it. Yeah, I guess. that's true. Yeah, scared in that moment. Oh, yeah, I guess there was way. a nice moment when he, like, Ryan Reynolds tried to get him to put on the glasses and he couldn't do it. That was yeah. actually yeah. really a compelling moment. Yeah. yeah. And also, that whole conversation of what we need to tell ourselves once we realize we are actually living in a simulation, folks. Like, you're going to have to <laughs> yeah. justify your reality to yourself. 100%. You know? Yeah. 100%. Uh, one more sm- small detail, which I'm I really loved. Not well, looking forward to that day, by the way. <laughs> is um, I love how in the game studio, the artists are this separate entity <laughs> that are like the designers, their own right? the designers yeah. artists totally accurate <laughs> the, 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 segre- the sort of like split between the programmers and the artists is a thing in fact in my old studio the building was split down the middle and all the artists were on the left side of the building all the, <laughs> the programmers were on the right side of the building which is really really funny and they always kind of like in a loving way, kind of talk shit to each other about, oh yeah, you artists, this and that, oh you programmers, you know. So I thought that was funny, and and that that woman's reaction to like these ridiculous demands that was always funny too. So uh, I appreciated that. All right. Well, Dan, it is it's also it's, interesting that I'm sorry, yeah. Jay, I'm trying, to, I'm trying to wrap up here, but it is also interesting that like the whole premise, uh, hook of the premise is that the reason that this game is so successful is because the AI is so good, and yet. It's at no good. point, <laughs> at no point, do you see the AI acting in a way that was in, even remotely good. <laughs> yeah, exactly. I, I totally thought of that too. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> All right, folks. Well, Danish, I really appreciate you stopping by and letting us know what was accurate and what was not accurate in the movie. It's actually really fascinating, and uh, I'm glad there were some things that people took away from this movie that they enjoyed. Um, but it sounds like you guys are kind of middling on it. I had a great time. Personally, no, I, mean, I, had a fun, uh, I had a fine time. Yeah, yeah I, I had I, fun I, with right. it. People had fun. Yeah, me too. People had fun. I had fun. All right, cool. And at the end of the day, guys, it's pretty impressive that Sean Levy made a movie. So yeah, yeah. he makes a lot of true. movies apparently too. <laughs> it's a long list of credits. It's, it's wild. It's it's impressive that Sean Levy made a movie better than Steven Spielberg. <laughs> it's true. You can find more episodes of this podcast at thefilmcast.com. Email us at slashfilmcast at gmail.com. Our theme song comes from Adam Warrock bandcamp.com our spoiler bumper comes from filmmaker and youtuber kyle hillinger our weekly plugs music comes from noah ross this episode was edited by Beatty zhang danish i want to say thank you again for joining us really appreciate it oh thank yeah this you. is a blast 
Next week, we will be discussing The Many Saints of Newark, which is a new Sopranos-based movie. Also a video game movie, yeah. (laughs) That is also... Based on Max Payne, I think. (laughs) Yeah, yeah. There was, was a Sopranos video game. There was, the there was, was, yeah. Regarded as one of the worst video games of all time. Uh, but uh, Many Saints of New York, uh, the I'm, I'm really excited to see what it is. I don't know if it's going to be good, but I think it's going to be interesting. <laughs> it's going to be as a uh, yeah. big Sopranos fan. So that's going to be out on HBO Max as well. And that'll be our main review next week. Stick around later this week for the After Dark if you're a patron. Thanks so much. We'll see you later. If you only have a 401k, you're not getting the most for retirement. Wait, what? Add a Robinhood IRA on top, then they'll boost it by 3%. You can do that? And if you transfer in any retirement account, you get 3% on top of that. Is there a limit to the match? No limit. Robinhood Gold gets you the biggest contribution match of any IRA on the market. Sign up for Robinhood Gold at Robinhood.com boost by April 30th. Subscription fees apply. Investing involves risk. 3% match requires gold for one year from first match. Must keep IRA for five years. Match on transfers subject to additional terms and conditions. Robinhood Financial LLC. Member SIPC.